City officials today announced that video games no longer will be licensed in residential areas, only in commercial and industrial neighborhoods. Officials say they are responding to complaints from parents that children have skipped school or stolen money to play the games and made a nuisance of themselves. When they don't have something to do, when they're walking the streets, that's when problems are created, not because of machines. The lack of machines causes problems. One MIT study of more than 800 video game players found no basis in fact for an underlying fear expressed by parents during public hearings that video games lead to violence. Officials say they are responding to complaints from parents that children have skipped school or stolen money to play the games and made a nuisance of themselves. One MIT study of more than 800 video game players found no basis in fact for an underlying fear expressed by parents during Official public hearings. Responding to complaints from parents that children have skipped school or stolen money to play the games and made a nuisance of themselves. Video games, in a sense, are addictive. Not like drugs, more like the need to jog. There is probably no true physical dependence. On the other hand, there certainly is a psychological dependence in the sense that this is a gratifying experience. That the uh, person's peer relationships, uh, source of self-esteem, enjoyment in life, are wrapped up in video games, just as they might be in bowling, uh, running with your cronies, or with whom you run every Sunday, something of the sort. I have not met anybody who can't go through the day in withdrawal from video games. Officials say they are responding to complaints from parents that children have skipped school or stolen money to play the games and made a nuisance of themselves. Hey everybody, what's up? This is Ro. At the time of this recording, there will be no new podcast last week, well, except for this one, and next week. Both Lobo and myself had a bunch of stuff going on in real life outside of the show, and I also have a bunch of books here and people that I'm trying to book for upcoming episodes, so I've been trying really hard to get caught up on all of this. Like, as always, I always have a stack of books here that seems like I'm just, it's like I get rid of one, another one appears, another one appears, another one appears. I have this never-ending, repeating library of, of books and potential guests coming into the show anyways yeah we've we've made a conscious effort and decision to step back from the show and not put a show out every weekend simply for the sake of releasing a show and um i you know we just had stuff going on or what have you it's weird nature seems to abhor a vacuum so i don't go on other podcasts very often or i should say i don't really like to it's not because i'm arrogant or anything like that or i think i'm too good to go on the shows quite the opposite i tend to be very self-conscious of what i say i tend to ramble a lot though everybody's oh you did fine you know etc and uh but when i'm on other shows i tend to be very terrified of of being under the microscope and being watched and being observed for lack of a better term so this week the Jake and Tom podcast and the Ozone Nightmare podcast both said, hey, we'd like you to come on our show. So I did, and it was pretty much all comic book geek-oriented stuff. I went on Ozone Nightmare with Gene St. Jean and Joe, and we talked about DC and Marvel television shows and movies. We do that every couple of years and just get together and have a good time and throw back some beers. Or, well, Joe doesn't drink, but, you know, and just talk about stuff. And then there's uh, Jake and Tom. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh, those guys are a trip. I, I love you two guys. I really do. And uh, that was the episode that we did about the last season of Rick and Morty, which was a lot of fun. So this brings us to where we're at right now. This week, Patrick at the Almost Educational Podcast. Patrick is somewhat local for me. We try to get together as much as we can, which usually turns into about once a year. We'll meet up, hit some of the local brew pubs, hit some microbreweries up, and we sit down and we start talking, and it always goes into weird shit. Go figure. And Patrick loves for me to tell him stories about strange stuff. And one of the times we got together, we brought up the topic of Polybius, which is the video game from 1981 that didn't actually exist. It does now, but it didn't at the time. And I was a big fan of that urban legend. I was a child of the 80s, hung out in arcades, played video games, you know, the whole scene behind it. So I was really infatuated with this topic for whatever reason. I did all this research. I read all kinds of books. I talked to all kinds of people. Uh, I saw the news broadcasts. Any information I could find on the internet that I could find about it, I read. And I saved all this stuff into a big folder. And we were going to do a show on it. But as fate would have it, the guys over at Hysteria 51, without meaning to, by, by certainly by no means did they mean to, but they kind of swiped it out from under us and they dropped an episode about the topic. So I just shelved it and said, all right, well, forget about it. Maybe someday I'll get back to it. Patrick was like, hey, um, do you still have all that information? I said, yeah. He goes, I, I would really love for you to come on the show and talk about it. I was like, oh boy. So pull it out, dust it off, you know, start reading. And it was a lot. So I had to kind of like boil all this stuff and distill it down and, and do a show about it. So what follows is a two-hour episode talking about the subject of Polybius. Now, this was me being interviewed on another show, but Patrick was gracious enough to say, you know what, if you want to run it on your feed, go ahead. I'll drop it in mine in a couple of weeks. So uh, I said, all right, well, since you're letting me do that, I will produce it for you. I'll mix it down and you know I'll make it sound good and do the editing and stuff on it. I did not edit anything out of it as though it were my show. I left it exactly the same as it was as if I was on somebody else's show being interviewed because that's what it is. What follows is us talking for about an hour and a half, maybe an hour about Polybius. Then we go into urban legends and different urban legends and why things go the way that they do, uh, which seems to be a reoccurring topic as of late. And then just we kind of babble for a little bit and that's it. That's the show goes. It's about two hours long. I was going to make it into two episodes, but I said out of hell with it. We'll make it one episode because we haven't dropped a show in a couple of weeks. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it and I will see you guys at the other side. Here we go. to welcome back Ro to the show from the Project Archivist. I said this correctly, right? Project Archivist? Actually, I say it the way you guys say yeah, it. Yeah, we say it wrong. It's the Project Archivist podcast, but it's actually, I guess it's pronounced Project Archivist, and since I'm on an, a quote-unquote educational show, I guess it should be pronounced properly. But sure, yeah, you can call it what you want. That'll work. It's Listen, if you ever listen to the show and hear me butcher the English language, uh, then whatever you say goes. It's, it's the rules of the show. Have you listened to uh, our show and how we butcher the English language more appropriately? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's true. You know, uh, I, I was tempted to actually do this with you, try to hook, hook you up in person and do this but since we've hung out in real life, uh-huh. not just on the, the podcast. In terms of like drinking beer, uh-huh. but then I was like, oh, I don't know, I, I want to haul you all the way out here, not not to give up uh, info security 
But like the ride for you to get to me is if you went any further east, you'd be in Canada. It's not the ride out there would not bother me at all. I would I would actually like to come out and record with you in person. The problem is with this particular topic, um, not to be arrogant, but I know more about this topic than probably any person you know because I am an exhaustive geek as far as this particular topic goes, and the amounts of notes that I have, I I just could not I wouldn't be able to do the show in person off the top of my head because this is such an in depth weird bizarre urban legend that i actually i would i would need to have like a laptop in front of me and i'd constantly be referring back and forth so doing it this way in this particular instance is probably the best way to do it well that's fine because you you put a seed in my head about two years ago not even three years ago now Mm -hmm. about this topic or like slowly germinated in my head where you said hey have you ever heard of polybius yes polybius polybius and I and I was like, no, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I fell down a rabbit hole of like, um, you know, just Wikipedia searches lead to one thing to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was a journey. And then like I was really excited for you to do something on it. And then you're like, ah, everyone else is doing something on it. I don't I don't want to be bandwagoning. But like you're the first person ever. I mean, I like lots of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're the first person to turn me on some weird stuff. And I I, uh, I don't. This you call it an urban legend, so let's set some ground rules. This is an a very specific. Okay, first of all, wh- how do you define an urban legend? How is this an urban legend? And what what is this basic urban legend? Before we get in the meat of this, well, I think of urban legends as kind of modern folklore. These are stories okay. that um, germinate in some way, shape, or form, and then the story grows and it evolves and goes into something else, which is much like this story is. And this is a story of a video game that does exist but did not exist at the time. And this Mm. is about a video game, a supposed video game, that supposedly had its birth somewhere around the Portland, Oregon area back in the 80s, uh, specifically roughly around 1981. And um, it's a long, drawn-out, crazy story that it's it's one of... What's fascinating is it's like it's, it's an urban legend that... Much like a lot of them, there is a seed of truth to it in some way, shape, or form. There's lots of seeds of truth to this story that branch out from it. And then it's also got a crazy cast of characters that are involved with it. And um, it's just a really nutty story about this video game that never actually existed. But it does now. And we'll get into that, though. There's very there's been a lot of iterations of it. Yeah, that's a great, that, that's a great way to, to introduce it. Um, I, I think one of the reasons why this one feels I don't want to say feels real but feels good which is not a great determiner of what an urban legend is um, is because it comes from a grain of truth I think and because it feels plausible yeah there's believable elements to it there's a lot of believable elements to it where you could say you know what that that could happen very easily so I could see you know yeah this is probably true these kinds of things happen so yeah I could see where this could come from yeah and, and it I, I think part of the thing is with any good urban legend it um it attaches itself to a subculture mm-hmm. which is a subculture of arcade games which is anachronistic now but I mean in that zeitgeist it's born and fits perfectly and then it's got the, the idea of it being 
super hyper localized, like in the Portland area only. Let's go back to the 80s a little bit, because me and you are both children of the 80s. We both remember going to video arcades. Now, um, at the time, you know, these these arcades popped up and they were they were all over the place and they were very much shunned for the most part. They were um, and this is also somewhat true. They they were they were viewed as like really seedy places. Kids would go there and hang out. They would spend a lot of money on quarters and just playing pumping quarters into these video games. Um, I think there was an episode of Blossom or one of those teenage girl shows where there was even an episode where the parents were trying to shut down an arcade and at the end of the episode they made a compromise that the arcade wouldn't be open during school hours and it would only be open right. so late or something like that. I don't remember which one it was, but I remember these things going on and I, and I used to hang out in these arcades a lot. Now, this takes place in the 80s and specifically it, it seems to... Um, gravitate towards 1981 for a variety of reasons. Now, in 1981, you're going to remember all of this. Um, in our area where we live, I remember very, very, very much that out by the Detroit Zoo, there was this little arcade right on the corner right there, which is now a parking garage. And it was this little mm-hmm. building, and there was you'd walk in there, and there was, it was a little tiny place, but they always had the newest arcade games. But in that year, you had 1981, you had games like Frogger that had just came out, Donkey Kong, which had just came out, Defender had just come out, Galaga had come out, uh, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, they were all right around that period of time. Um, you, of course, remember the Pac- Man Fever, really bad song that came out. Um, so mm-hmm. you know it was it was the golden age of arcade games, um, and this legend kind of it, it centralizes in Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. If you've never been there, I've been there once briefly. It's a very dreary city. It's it's there's always like you see the website keep Portland weird. It's um it's just like this it's just this really off the wall kind of quirky city where it's always raining. It's always kind of like meh, you know. It's kind mm-hmm. of like Seattle light for lack of a better term. But Portland it was also an area where video game companies. Companies would use as a test bed to come out with video games. A lot of video games would show up there. They would be named something different. A lot of times the cabinets wouldn't be very, um, they didn't have the artwork done on them and stuff, but they would be a test ground. So they would drop the video games there, let people play them to see if they found mistakes or quirks or anything weird in the video game. So, like, Portland was a play. It was a play test city. Like, they would drop, yeah, a, exactly. they would drop a game in and say, "Look, this is a new game." Um, you know, and then they would just use the machine to, as the kids played the the machine and the, like whatever whatever company dropped play it, testers, there, like Sega yeah. or whatnot, would, would 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 get the feedback on how the game. Yeah, uh, they would test it physically operated and, so and forth. like yeah. Okay, good. Now, Polybius was this game that came out. It was um, it was supposedly a game that came out in an all-black cabinet. It was sort of like the game Tempest, if you remember the game Tempest. Tempest was With this game. Yeah, it had a wheel that ball, you right? spun. Yeah, it was, was a, a circular wheel that you turned left and right, and it had a fire button, and that was all it was. Right. And you had these really weird shapes on the screen. Your, your little thing would go around the outside, and you had these spikes that would grow up from the middle of the screen outward, and you had to shoot these spikes down before you warped into the next level. And if you didn't get rid of all the spikes, or you were on like this little beam that there was a spike on, your guy would die. So this Polybius game was supposed to be very similar based off of that. And it was supposed to be uh, kind of psychedelic and so forth. Um, the game was supposed to be extremely popular. Kids were supposedly waiting in lines to play the game. And it got to a point where kids started getting into fights over it. And there was these stories of the people who played it would become entranced by it. Um, mm. Some of them were reported to having seizures and some of them were having migraines and some of them were reporting nausea and there's also weird little stories about people going and killing themselves and stuff 
And another part of the legend is is that these men from the government, like men in black kind of things, would people would show up and they would collect data from the game, but they never actually collected any coins or anything from the game. They were just collecting mm. data and stuff. And then as soon as the game appeared, it just kind of disappeared into oblivion. And no one knows what happened to it. The, the funny thing is, is that the game doesn't really get any kind of a mention until August 3rd, 1998. And it was dropped in coinop.org and it was from an anonymous author. And it was a person looking for, um, looking for this game or making a post about the game, what, what the game was. The company that made the game was a company called Sinus, uh, it's hard to pronounce, it's a German word, Sinus Lotion, I believe is how it's pronounced. And what it roughly translates into, it's kind of a gibberish combination of two German words that roughly translates into uh, no sense or lack of sl- sense or disorientation or something like that. And mm. nobody's really sure who put that post up. I've got the post here somewhere. i got to find it. Yeah, here it is. This is the one that appeared in it's, uh, roughly. It's uh, game, te- game Details. This game had a very limited release. One or two uh, backwater arcades in a suburb of Portland. The history of this game is cloudy. There were all kinds of strange stories about how the kids who played the game got amnesia afterwards. They couldn't remember their name or where they lived, etc. Bizarre rumors about the game that are that supposedly developed by some kind of wizard, weird military tech offshoot group so you know here you see the seeds of the story it's like okay you have a video game that was supposedly put in here by the government it's kind of cloudy um this is somewhat believable because the military uses video games to train people that's no secret oh, yeah you also had movies like the last starfighter that you know people would play these video games the, the idea was that, that some alien race was looking for people to pi- pilot these ships for the resistance or what have you i don't know if you remember that movie or not are you, oh, listen, are you kidding me? Like this, this, this like when, when you, when you first gave me the the germination of this story, that's the first thing I like, exactly. clicked in my head was Last Starfighter. Of like the premise of Last Starfighter is a kid in the middle of nowhere, and they're remaking an arcade... it. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's, I haven't watched that movie in about fifteen years. I don't know if it holds up at all, mm-hmm. but I like in my you know in my head canon, it's amazing. The kid plays the game. Uh, you have to get to a certain I can't remember, he has to get to a certain level like past the kill screen mm-hmm. and once he does uh, he's recruited to the intergalactic uh, space force to fight an alien threat mm-hmm. um, and, and, then, he, the and then the frontier they got the frontier and yeah. then the, the greatest part is there is a Star uh, doppelganger yeah. yeah 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 there's a doppelganger of him that goes to replace him to go to school and stuff for him yeah, right it's like and a robot connected. kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love that movie that's it's, they're, it's they're, a great apparently movie. they're going to be remaking it so oh. anyhow I don't, well, we'll see. We'll see if the people who Fair make enough. it, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super worried. I don't know if I'd go see it again or not because it's just not going to capture the same magic. But again, right. this was the '80s. So, uh, anyways, the the game was a weird looking kind of abstract, fast action with some puzzle elements. The kids who played it stopped playing games entirely. One of them became a big anti video game crusader or something. We've contacted one person who met him, and he claims the machines disappeared after a month or so, and no one ever heard about them. And it just mm. goes on and on describing the supposed company that made this the company uh sinus lotion there is an actual website for it but it's since been to be proven as a fan-made website so that company the website's not weird i mean not real there is an app on there you can download it's supposed to be the game but everybody that i've talked to and from what i've read in the forums and stuff nobody can quite get it to work right Mm. so 
it, that happened, and then it uh, it went away after that initial posting of when it first hit. It went away for quite some time, and then it reappeared again uh, in February of 2000, and it appeared in a video game collection forum on a Usenet forum. And um, there's these at the time there was these uh, there were they're still out there. There's these groups that you can if you're looking for like a Pac-Man machine or if you've got a Defender or a Tron video game, and you're like, hey, I need the joystick for a Tron machine, or I need the motherboard for a Pac-Man game. There's these you know like four forums are out there or whatever that you can go to and you can find out who has the parts for them or where you can still buy these machines. So it popped up there and then it popped up again in April of 2001. And then finally, that was where the legend started to build up. And then in 2003, Snopes actually made a page for it. Once it hits the Snopes page, then it spreads across the internet like wildfire. I was like, wow, what's this? You know, then it became a thing at that oh, point. Then it became something real. Right. So... Um, there was one guy, the original poster, a lot of people have tracked this person down. The original poster who did the original post back in, I believe it was 1981 of the original post. Maybe it was the one in CoinOp. There's this guy named Christopher Oliver, Christian Oliver Winder. This guy, he's known online as Cyber Yogi. This guy, he could do a whole show on him on his own. He supposedly created this online um like techno religion called Logogi Logogo Logogi and um he's kind of um he's just like internet prankster that goes around and just tells these weird stories and has his fingers kind of in everything. He's another thing entirely weird. Again, cast of strange characters are involved with this. It's like every time somebody touches this legend and leaves their fingerprints on it, the people who do, they've always got these really weird backstories to them, which again adds to the popularity of the urban legend. It just grows from there. So um, the thing was is that even though this video game wasn't real, there are kernels of truth to it that lead to the um, that that con- that contribute to where the legend actually came from, because back in 1981, when this supposedly happened, there was at least two people that fell sick at an arcade in Portland, Oregon, in 1981. One of them was uh, what the hell is this kid's name? Brian Mario Mario, I believe it was. And this okay. was a kid that was 12 years old, and he was trying to break the record. And this, you might remember, because this was actually on the news. There was this kid, he was trying to break the record for playing Asteroids. Asteroids didn't have an end screen. He just kept playing it and playing it and playing it and playing it. There was no end game to it. So this 12-year-old kid was like, I'm going to beat the record. So his parents were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So this kid plays Asteroids for 28 hours. He doesn't take any kind of a break. All he's doing is drinking Coca-Cola and orange juice. And he eventually, like gives up he can't play any boob because he's, he's about ready to pass out he's got stomach cramps do, do you does it ring any bells in your head at all do you do you remember anything about this can you can you stop for a minute because like i thought this was an urban legend for the longest time as far as i know this is real no this is interesting because th- these are one of these things like okay a lot of this feels very nostalgic to me there, there's a place again i don't want to give away where, where exactly i grew up but like there was a, a place called risk pop shop like literally down the street from where i went to uh Elementary middle school, mm-hmm. and it was all coin-operated games from the 80s till oh, this must have been 1989, 1990. When I was going there a lot, mm-hmm. um, and like there was always the rumor that there was a kid that was from our area who had played a game. I remember it was something like Double Dragon. Played it for so long. The first rumor was his thumbs were bleeding, and he had played to the bone of his thumb, like he had. 
uh, made his raw, his done raw. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he would have a callus, right? He wouldn't. His skin wouldn't wear away. But uh, the other thing was he was on his feet for too long, and the blood had pooled at his legs, which again anatomically makes no sense. But he passed out, hit his head, and was killed standing there playing the game. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but I mean, like, but well, all this sounds like very similar. Like, but no, no one knew the kid's name, of course. But well, I mean, this, it could happen. This actually, this I've actually got the Oregon News article in front of me from Portland, Oregon, and this is from the Portland oh, Register. Twelve-year-old uh, video game whiz who prevailed over electronic asteroids and, and, and enemy spaceships. It's hard to read because it's one of those old newspapers. It's all like, it's all like, yeah, well, it's, it's been, all it's been scanned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mario Mario of suburban Beaverton dropped a token into an asteroids game console in Portland Arcade Thursday and set out for a record. He would continue getting extra spaceships and compiling high scores and using extra spaceships successfully would try to beat the record of 30.1 million points for a single game. Uh, Dennis Hernandez, blah, 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 still has the record, uh, who which owns the arcades. Yeah, this is a legit story. There's actually, yeah, there's actually places, reference times. Um, if it's a bogus news story, it's pretty well done for its time. Well, could we stop for one second and maybe yeah. describe, like, in the era of um, arcade, the 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 heyday of arcades from like 1980, I would say, to probably 1995, I would say definitely like maybe Mortal Kombat was the last kind of... Um, yeah, because home game systems and computers pretty much began to kill all that off. By mid-90s, I would feel like it was they were, they were done. But I mean, like, there was a subculture uh, that I feel got demonized a lot like heavy metal and rap music and... Um, even comic books and stuff and this that same culture war era mm-hmm. of like it is child i mean now i can concede to a degree it is like it is like um gambling for children to, to a bit uh except for you're not getting a, uh, a financial payoff you're getting like a social payoff for, it's for the very game. funny you should mention that because there is an element to that that contributes to this that we're going to get to but go ahead okay but I, I i don't know if there's a real good equivalent other than like your phone today right as a mm-hmm. as a machine of mass distraction where oh, I do. There was, it's called world of warcraft <laughs> well, that was, yeah i mean it just evolved but i i, I think I think you did a good job prefacing it in the beginning of how seedy it was. Uh, to I mean, I'm putting that in quotation marks. You can't see my hands because yeah. it's an audio medium. But I think a lot of people thought it was seedy. Were like it was a place you got the drugs as well. I mean, there might have been some drugs passed around there too as well. But like there was this idea that you were going into this dark, dank place, hanging out with a bunch of other juveniles, um, and there was always a fear of like pedophiles and predators hanging out there, uh, and you were just wasting tons of money on nonsense, right? And violent nonsense or or godless nonsense or whatever kind of nonsense it was, uh, which when you look back at in time, it seems pretty quaint. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and silly thing to be afraid of. But I think it, that also kind of shrouds this whole urban legend uh, in this era of um, parental paranoia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you had this happen with all kinds of things. You had it happen with heavy metal. Uh, you had it happen in like my, my and yourselves culture with things like Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, you remember right. Dungeons and Dragons uh, was going to lead you to the devil or Dungeons and like you had these after school specials about people playing Dungeons and Dragons real life and then getting messed up in well, the Tom head. Hanks, Tom Hanks kills his friends. Yeah, exactly. So hey. this this all fits in there and you had it with like heavy metal and, and, and anything new or culturally different that people didn't 
didn't understand. Um, it wasn't like nowadays where it's the information age. Rumors and beliefs would spread. Um, it's like when I right. did that show recently and where I was talking about absinthe, about how this idea that absinthe um, would make people go crazy if you drank it and, and you would go out and murder people and you would hallucinate and all of these kinds of things. Um, this is how urban legends work. These things just spread. But yeah, people were demonized for going and playing in arcades. But there is some truth to some of that. So, but anyways, um, back Go to this. Ahead, sorry. So anyhow, yeah, this this kid did this, and there was also, which is, this is really ironic and strange, too, that um, there was another kid at the same arcade in the same day that was, uh, I believe he was playing Tempest. I can't remember exactly which game it was, but he, his name was Michael Lopez, and he supposedly got this really intense, really huge migraine, and after he left the arcade, he was on his way home and then passed out in someone's, in someone's yard on the way home, and the police had to be called and he reported that he was uh, playing this game and that's what happened. Now, this mm. doesn't, this sounds that these things did happen, but if you look across the 80s, there's all kinds of reports of people playing video games and having epileptic seizures because of right. the lights and the flashing stuff. Right. That was when this whole discovery of, wait a minute, flashing lights, these things happen, um, people have epileptic seizures. Now, I'm not saying that if you played these games in Oregon, you died from dysentery, but ding there's a joke for you um <laughs> you know but the, these are the kinds of things that happen so again these things were going on with people playing video games and getting sick and these things were happening so that people can go oh yeah this this kind of all ties into that rumor now here's another funny thing about all this at the time in portland the government actually was hanging out in arcades because as you said they were known as cd places um a lot of people right. were passing drugs around right. they were also known as areas where people would go to fence stolen goods. They would, oh yeah, I got some, you know, right. stereos out in the car or whatever. Um, so what happened was is that there was also illicit gambling going on. Well, the government was in, like they were, they had people watching these arcades to try to catch these people. Well, it turns out that there was a couple of arcades in Oregon that had taken video games and they had rigged them in a certain way to be counting points or they, um, how do they put it? Um, they were they were setting up these machines to that they were they were they were counting points in a way that they could they actually pay the customer off depending on how many points they scored. So people would go in like a gambling kind of thing and they would you know they'd put the quarters in there and however many points they got, they would get money back for it. So thus doing that, the video games would get more they would earn more money in the video games. You could go play this one or you can go play this one over here where you actually got a chance of winning something. And that was right. you know, illegal gambling for the most well, part. And I'd have to imagine, I mean like there has to be so much money laundering going on in arcade too. Yeah, you know it's, these are these very well. I can very easily see how like mob the mob or somebody could use this as a front to launder money very right. easily. You know, well, I mean, it, well, not only the, the mob. I mean, if you were a clandestine organization running running off the books program too, I'm going back to the government thing, right? Yeah. And you wanted yourself a nice front to wash some dirty money that you're funding, you know, uh, South American, Central American wars you weren't supposed to. I mean, if, if I was going to be real conspiratorial, there would also be a good, pretty good place to set up as a, a as a front to wash money. Well, you also have to keep in mind that you had programs like MK Ultra going on where the government right. has done things like this to people unwittingly where they have done experiments on people so again this is something that falls right into the realm of believability where it's like right. yeah the government has done these kinds of things before they have done experimentation on people and this is a perfect medium to be able to do it through so anyhow the government went so far 
with local and you know whatever law enforcement there was to the point where they actually set up a fake arcade and these arcade machines they had cameras facing out behind the screen because you know how they had the black border around the screen right. there was actually cameras set up in them to be able to record people that were playing oh, the games crazy. and the video games were mic'd to be able to catch the sound and the idea was that they were trying to catch people that were doing these gambling and illicit affairs they were you know if we set up another arcade in the area and make it like the the cool arcade to go to right all of video games were mic'd and camera'd to try to catch That's people crazy. doing this stuff so now you've got the perfect storm taking place here people getting sick government you had all these things going on so it's very easy to see how this stuff would actually take place and that's in a nutshell i mean there's there's far there's all kinds of little intricate areas that you can go off to in all these different directions but that is essentially how the whole thing went down um so much though it's it's it gained so much notoriety that back in september of 2006 there was an episode of the simpsons and it was called uh please please homer don't hammer him Mm -hmm. and uh bart is in an arcade and he's walking around and there's a copy of polybius in the background as, as, as bart's playing a game called triangle wars if you do a google search on it you can find it and there's like a polybius machine in the side off 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 to the side it was in a batman comic it's been referenced in i don't know how many books there's um hmm. there's been um it's been used in like television crime shows and stuff like that not directly but a right. lot of things have borrowed from the legend so you know but here's the thing the game actually does really exist now and you can go out and buy it and it was released on the PS4. You can go to the PlayStation 4 store. You can download it. And it was released in 2017. And then a year later, they came out with a version of it for Windows. And uh, it's 3D compatible. I sent you a video over on Twitter. I saw it. And yeah, it's really like it's really trippy. It is. It is it pretty is nuts. And I, yeah. I couldn't even imagine playing it with with like the 3D thing on. It, you know, it would be like, whoa, we're gonna die. <laughs> VR hookup, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because VR games make me intensely sick for whatever reason. There's this weird disconnect that happens where my brain senses movement, but my body doesn't, so you get sick from it. It's like the right. Blair Witch effect, kind of. So, right. Yeah, but that's, that's the basics of, of what the Polybius legend was. Okay, then can I, can I drill down into some, into some details on the legend itself? Sure. All right, the, the first one that I, I always find fascinating is what... Why is it... Okay, we talked a little bit why why Portland would be a good place to put it if you were going to put it as a as a test device, but what would the government use it for? I mean, what was the purpose of the the game? What was the why why would you put a game that would that would mess with someone's head? What was the purpose of the, of the game? That's easy because if you're dealing with if you're dealing with weapons technology, you have weapons technology now. They use them in prison stuff like that. They got a device called the Dazzler, for example, okay. and and this really does exist. Where if you aim this thing at someone's light at eyes, it has a circular pattern of lights and things like that that pretty much hypnotizes you. Okay. Um, so you have you have that reason going on. You're looking for ways that you can manipulate people without them being aware that they're being manipulated. So if you wanted, this is all conspiratorial stuff now. But if let's Go say ahead. let's say that you um, wanted to throw in another government or something like that, you wanted to set up a shadow corporation to go and I'd like to advertise my television commercial on your country's television station or something like that. Right. What a better way to do it than to put a television commercial or something like that with that technology in there, where it's something in the ad. Do you remember the uh, the movie Videodrome? But not Videodrome. Oh my! Um, Listen, Videodrome. I'm having a, I have a podcast coming up on Videodrome. 
but there you go. Uh, there was the other one. I can't remember what it was. Looker, I believe it was, with the name of the movie, where there is uh, they were this company was doing experimentation. It was uh, it was an eighties movie. Again, that's how this fits in here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an eighties movie where they were showing people. There was this advertising agency, and there was a point in the movie where you could watch a commercial or something on TV, and it would put you into a trance, and you would just blank out, and you wouldn't remember. You would have time loss. Mm-hmm. So they were taking that technology and putting into these guns where they could sh- they could zap you with this gun and if it, if you it got you in the eyes you would just free you would just go into a trance for a limited period of time and they could do whatever kill somebody or whatever and then you just come out of the trance and like what what just happened where did I gotcha, go gotcha 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 so there's all these different things where you could use visual aspects to try to cue you know sound video all of these different things to try to cue some kind of a reaction in people uh, be it mind control for lack of a better term mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of applications that something like this could be used for what are better testing bed than to put it in a video game at some place like this and then you know yeah let's see what happens let's record the data let's see let's see what happens when we put this out there are there any reports of people what's it doing to people what's what's happening to them you put it out there get the data you need pull the game back out it's gone nobody knows for sure exactly what happened to it in the meantime they've got their data to do what they want with yeah something feels so also right about the idea that the, the video games themselves would already be play tested there right mm-hmm. so the idea of um you wouldn't even have to coerce a store manager or operator to say like hey by the way we're going to drop this game that's not mass market here um you don't have to pay us uh rental fee or whatever like we're just going to test it out we'll even we'll even pay you to let it test out uh and then you know they drop the game and they pull it back out again it's uh, portland this is a test bed for these right, kind of games the, nothing exactly. strange would be okay yeah they brought we get this kind we get these kind of games all the time people bring them in here they test them out and then they yank them back out again after they get the data out of them nothing strange about that at all people getting right. sick playing video games yes it happened it's there's news stories about it this stuff happens all the time you know all right. of these things fit perfectly to make this urban legend something very believable yeah i i, I also i feel that fits it perfectly and there's something about the the time period where it is modern enough for people in their lifetimes to either uh, recall, you know, the, the, the era or know, you know, hear stories or like see the relics of it. Like you still go to Chuck E. Cheese. There's still a couple of arcade games that kids might play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's in the zeitgeist, but it's far enough out of memory. We're like, if, if the thing gets in the cultural bloodstream, the, just the word through pop culture, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people are like, Oh yeah, I remember that game. Just as if we were talking about Tempest or Donkey Kong or Bad Dudes or whatever, right? I mean, yeah. like it's it, it, oh yeah, that sounds right because it had such a uh, an arbitrary name that would fit like Tempest or Quark or whatever else it would be. Well, for a little while, people actually part of the legend became that it was a prototype for the game Tempest, and that was why oh, they pulled it out. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really that, interesting. I, that, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was part of the, that was one. You see, there's all these little legends that tie into this, but that was one of them. That it, it was actually that was originally what the Tempest game was supposed to be, and, and then the they was, it out and so, it and put it back out again. So the idea was the game was causing like seizures and migraines and headaches because it was it was wasn't 
ready for, for market. I mean, it was, it was it too was, intense. Yeah, well, it was, it was that. It was it was a test. Like when they put the Pikachu cartoon on TV and, and kids right, were reporting right. having Apple. Well, I was like, Whoop, well, we better pull this back off and fix this <laughs> and take whatever this element of the game is and pull it back out again. But one of the articles that I was reading said, well, that wouldn't make sense that Tempest would be in the same arcade as the right. game that it was being based off of. That didn't, you know, and I'm not even, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure if that was the same year that Tempest actually came out. I don't know off the top of my head. But you know what? In your memory, it doesn't matter. Exactly, because it's so far removed. Right. Um, In 1980, oh, God, I I was a little guy. You know, I mean, it was like, I remember getting an Atari, you know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I got, no, I think it was, was, that was, maybe that was a wrong Pong came out. Now I'm starting to date myself. But. You know, video games back then. It was we had we had two arcades up to the corner of where I lived at the time. I used to live in a city called Allen Park, and we had two. Uh, we had one of them that was like part of it was a pool hall, and the other part of it was an arcade, and then the other one was just flat out completely arcade. And, um, you know, it lived its lifespan, and you'd go mm-hmm. in there, and you'd beg mom and dad for as many quarters as you can get, right. and you'd go digging through the couch to get quarters. Um, I remember going to Cedar Point. So if anybody's not from around here, there's, there's this big amusement park down in Ohio called Cedar Point, and there was a big building in the middle. It was a giant arcade. It was huge, you know, and you would go to Cedar Point. You got tired of wedding rides. You'd go into that big building, and you'd be like... <gasps> I've only got $4 to play video games. Exactly. And it's like, well, that one's really cool, but it costs 50 cents to play. You know? Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Then let's shift to the actual, like, the myth-making process mm-hmm. and, like, how we got into the cultural bloodstream. I I, I mean, I, I put these in three buckets. I think misremembrance, right? Like, it builds on itself. I I mean, I know I know you'll know what this is. So if I say like Carcosa or the King in Yellow, right? You have some idea what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, an Ambrose Bierce uh, story from, I think it's 1882. I used to teach it in school. We don't teach it anymore. I teach um, Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which is his more famous short story. Mm-hmm. But he was a Civil War veteran who wrote a lot of proto-american horror stories and these aren't like you know like there's the, this would be the era of gothic horror stories these were not that they were very um I mean, obviously science fiction wasn't really a genre at the time but they were they, they were they, very they, hp lovecraft-esque yeah. in some ways did influence lovecraft oh, they were definitely. Uh, that, like that's extra probably, extra extra like outside of earth horror you know something yes, from beyond 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 space and time kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A, a lot of people would say like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was inspired by a lot of Beers and a lot of uh, Twilight Zones were I mean, some of them were actually adopted into Twilight Zone scripts. Mm-hmm. I think Occurrence of Olive Creek Bridge was. But the story is um, Inhabitant of Carcosa, I believe. Yeah. Inhabitant of Carcosa is the name of the story. And the story is um, when you read it again with more modern eyes, it doesn't seem as impactful as if you put yourself in the 1882 mindset where I think he knows he's writing for an audience who would probably think this place might have been a real place in southern France in ancient times but the character has a fever dream he wakes up goes outside he sees a world that's not quite like his world but he feels at home with it and then remembers maybe he might be back in pre-dawn times or he might be back home as a child Um, he comes back and realizes he may be dead and there's this, you know, haunting thing in the idea of like he sometimes realized that Carcosa might not be real or the earth he lived in might not be real. And the story just kind of ends. I mean, like it leaves you um, kind of perplexed as to what happens. And a lot of people think it's more um, a meditation on post-Civil War 
thoughts of like what happens when you have an earth shattering civil war that destroys the nation and the south is no longer the south and the north is no longer the north and now it's one united country but the story then gets mined for tons of stuff but the idea of a misremembered past or a collective past that we don't all remember um is is such a uh an, a weird thing and we just talked about videodrome i remember that film also does not have a um, a clear – it's hard to describe – a clear plot, to be quite honest with you. Like, no, it's real like, trippy. Yeah. <laughs> and so you never really know what the character knows is real or, or thinks is real or you're supposed to think is real or is not real. Mm-hmm. And nothing's ever – the ground doesn't feel solid. And that's what – the concept of like Carcosa is that like your reality might not be the real reality. What's well, a lot uh, like Philip K. Dick. That's the yeah, way a lot of it. Philip K. Dick stories are. And to an extent, some of Lovecraft stories are as well. That's why they're probably two of my favorite authors. Um, I'm a big, very big Philip K. Dick fan, but there's a lot of his stories where you're not sure if what's happening to the character is actually happening to the character or if he's actually seeing things differently. There's um, there's false memory syndrome that's very much along those lines. Um, the words out of my mouth. I, I feel this is, this is a, a, a urban legend that really fits that false memory syndrome of where like if you were at the bar and we were just talking and I peppered in this game, right? Mm-hmm. As one of the games we were talking about when we were kids playing, you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember playing that. And I told you, remember I had the ball and the ball was like, and I, I, I could get you to believe the game. Yeah. Or just that, I would it, just very easily say, you know what? That, yeah, I could see that happening. I can exactly, believe that. No problem. Exactly. And it would be, it so easily fits into, because all of the elements are there. Because if you were to do just a little bit of investigating, at the time they didn't have the internet, of course, the way it right. is now. You could say, well, did people get, okay, well, yeah, people did get sick in Oregon playing video games. Maybe that was right. the video game. You know, right. it all fits. It also goes along the line of the whole, and this is going to trigger something in your head, the whole Berenstein or Berenstein Bears. Right. You know, um, there's the thing with the, uh, I believe it was a movie called Shazam or something like that that didn't actually exist yep. uh, with Shaquille O'Neal or something along those lines. Yeah, it was It was called, uh, uh, the movie's called um, Kazam? Kazam. Yeah. Kazam. But yeah. like the idea was there was Everybody like believes this, that this movie and then now it's like, no, it didn't actually exist. Right. <laughs> You're sure it right. did. Yeah. Because it there, all fits. It all, it all fits. And the, like this collective unconscious of this false memory um, in a collective that you can easily implant in someone else's head just because it fits in the zeitgeist of things. Mm-hmm. OK, that leads me to this. Is the first occurrence of this like on, quote unquote, Internet culture? Because I guess the only other place you could see this would be like um, – Maybe like a, a a video game zine or like a video game publication like Nintendo Power. See, it wouldn't be a Nintendo Power because it wouldn't be a Nintendo game. Um, magazine before 98. Like, is, is this the first time it actually appears? In 98, in- when that first thing drops, uh, okay. the first mention of it on coinop.org is where that actually happened on August 3rd. And um, I could probably pull it up here if I dig for it. But that, as far as anybody, as far as anybody is able to tell, is where the core of the legend got started. Because that's like the first instance. From there on, people—that's where people start to go. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember something about that. No one 
one it's one of the things where no one knows or remembers exactly what happened, but they remember quote unquote something about that. You know, right. they they remember you're hearing about like the kid passing out playing the video game, um, which easily like the, the story that you heard about the guy's thumbs and his legs getting all swollen and things like that. Exactly. Yep. Um, because again, there was the stigma against video games and arcades, and there was an overarching like gloom that went over it that all just fit into it. But as as far as I can tell, and from everything that I've read and everything that I've seen, the first mention of it was back in 1998 in coinop.org. And then from there, it went quiet for a couple years, and it just popped up back again. Um, if it had just been the coinop.org thing that vanished, you mm-hmm. know, and that would you, I don't think it would have went much further than that. But when it reappeared where people were looking, because somebody actually posted, hey, I've played this game before. They put a big description of it in the forum saying, I'm looking for this game. This is what it looks like. It was black. It didn't have many stickers oh, on it. It was nondescript. Clever. It just had the, the little the little light-up moniker on the top of it saying Polybius, you know, and then from there somebody else grabbed it, and that was the spark that kind of gave it, you know, gave it legs and kept it going, because after that, right. video game collectors like, well, what is this? I need to find right. this. Because right. again, I think I remember something about that. You right. know, that's where it all started from. Okay, then that leads me to my second question on this, then, like... You said – I can't remember the guy's name. You said who was the one who claimed credit for – Christian um, Oliver Winder, okay. um, I believe. He, he sounds like a character. Mm-hmm. OK. Do you think – I always wonder how much of this stuff that becomes um, – like hoaxes in general are, are a thing, obviously, and the spreading of um, – urban legend pranks a little i always think a hoax is a little more harmful than a um a prank right obviously a hoax is usually coercion to get money or or notoriety or something out of someone um but then i always wonder if like this is some sort of performance art where like the idea is let's see if i can get this thing out there and i can see if i can get these guys who are collectors right I'm purposely finding my audience who I know will be rabid about this thing and see how wild I can get them going. And if I can get this thing to spread beyond this, I mean, that's almost impossible thing to prove, right? That Like this is a well, purposeful. What I call it is the John Teeter effect, if you know anything about it. Oh, that. we've talked about this before. I, yeah. I didn't want to bring it up. You said the name first. Go ahead. It's it's. I, I think of it as the John Teeter effect. Um we um, we sort of know a guy or did know a guy that claimed that he was the instigator and creator of that urban legend. Well, stop. Before we get there, like I can't remember the episode of the top of my head. We've talked about this in depth before, you and I, on this show. Mm-hmm. But if no one's ever heard of John Teeter before, can you give him a little primer on who John Teeter is? John Teeter was supposedly this guy who called in to Coast to Coast AM and said that he was a time traveler from the future and that he had traveled back in time to change the future so that something wouldn't happen in a certain way. And uh, actually, he didn't call. He called in later. It all started on the Coast to Coast forums. There was a forum post on the Coast to Coast AM uh, forums. That was this was coast to coast was this paranormal for lack of a better term was a paranormal show that they covered all kinds of strange and unusual topics. It was the precursor to something like what we do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, before that there was another guy named Long John Neville, I believe it was. But anyhow, this this was one of these shows where it covered like UFOs and et cetera and so on. Um, it's not real hard to go on YouTube and type in coast to coast AM. Hundreds of shows up there, even specifically the one where John Teeter calls into the show. 
Well, the best the best thing is what you're saying now is the the show used to have open lines. Yes. And like you would get that was the the gold. I mean, the guests were sometimes hit or miss for me, but when when Art or George Norrie go open lines and they just open it up to the public. And that's where you get the wild stuff. Yeah. Art Bell was far superior than George Norrie was. Art Bell would call people out and he'd have a lot of fun with it. And Art yep. Bell, you know, he embraced the hokiness when it became hokey. Whereas yep. Norrie would be like, well, wait a minute. You know, maybe Both these. Yeah. yeah. You know, Norrie would. I was like, ah, come on, Norrie. But yeah. Art Bell would, you know, Art Bell would be really good about it. But anyhow, somebody went into the forums in there and posted this story about, you know, they had pictures of what the time machine looked like. They made all kinds of predictions. Uh, some of them come true. Some of them didn't as is usually the case when someone throws a it's like throwing a whole bunch of crap at a wall and see what sticks you know mm-hmm. kind of situation so that's that's how that legend got started again this was the dawn of the internet and things weren't the way they are now so eventually um this it grew legs and um the guy who created it which is joseph Matheny, he was really big into doing just this he would create these these internet legends and things like that and uh, there was a story up in the pine barrens uh you know he would he would have all of these different things going on and it was kind of it was kind of a performance art thing but the problem is is people glom onto it right and then everybody starts adding a little bit of the story they add more to it they take it in different directions till it gets to a point where somebody says well i was like with the john teeter story it was like well i created the john teeter story well no i created the john teeter story um for the longest time like when we covered that show of all the weird things that we've ever covered on our show, of all the craziness, we've co- we cover a lot of strange things. That was the one episode where I was I got so pissed off by it that I actually pulled the episode down for a while because we had so many people that were uh, there was actually another podcast that kind of called us out and actually attacked us on it, where. Um, they were like, no, this actually happened. How can you not believe that this happened? And that that guy that's telling you that he was the one that created, he's obviously lying. He's a hoaxer. He's not, you know, and he told us things off the air and he didn't. He's want the to, real. He's the real. Yeah. You know, these are real stories and stuff. And yeah. we're like, and, and people got really, really bent out of shape about it with us. And I was just like, for real, man, seriously, like this <laughs> is what we're getting attacked on. But anyhow, we eventually did re-release it later back uh, later on. I was like, well, if I don't put this out there, then they've won. And after we put it back out we never got trolled about it again but um um joe came on the show and he explained as methodically as he could there were things that he didn't explain on the air that he did explain in private and we said yes we'll keep confidentiality and uh some of the you know it made sense but he very well could be lying because that's joseph's way of doing things you know he is a prankster he is a trickster and if it turned out that he was lying and he made it all up I wouldn't have a problem believing that. But if you go to the episode of Coast to Coast where John Teeter calls into the show, it's our friend Joe. You can hear it in the voice. You can hear going through everything. But the thing is, is people really believe this. And the other thing is, is that there's people out there that since nobody knows for sure where the legend came from, it's kind of like... um, it's kind of like open source, you know, it doesn't right. have, there's no, there's nobody you have to pay a royalty to or whatever. So anybody can take that legend and add on to it and do what they want to do. The trick is, is not so much that you grab the edge legend and add it onto it. The trick is getting people to latch onto the part of the urban legend that you added to, right. to go into that direction. 
So, you know, if I, like, I could grab, like, the idea was when the Polybius legend, say I was around when this legend got started, it would be like, hmm, well, I don't think this is real, but if I can create a cool enough con to get people to take that legend into that direction, you know, I don't care if they believe me or not. I know I've affected that legend and I've done this thing with it and I've taken it into this direction and so forth. And then somebody else grabs it and pulls it into a different direction. And that's how these things go. Um Sort of another take on it would be the whole Jack the Ripper phenomenon. Everybody comes out every couple of years and says, right. I know who Jack the Ripper was. And well, Jack the Ripper was either multiple people, it was one person, it was this person, it was that person. Since nobody really knows who Jack the Ripper really was, anything is plausible. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, whatever, whatever story you want it to be, it can be then. Exactly. There was a guy that was out a few years ago that said he was a direct descendant of Jack the Ripper, and he knows that it was, it was his great-great-grandfather, and, and uh, he was supposedly taken over by the spirit of Jack the Ripper or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but with the stories, since there's no... There's nothing really hard, you know, hard and fast anchoring them them down other than that that really sounds true. There's enough here to make it sound true. Latching onto the legend, trying to take it where you want to go. You know, you can do that. And I've I've wanted to do that. I've often I've often wanted to be the guy that kind of pisses into the gene pool and messes things up and goes (laughs) in and just does these things. Or I've, I've wanted to. I can't lie. I've always wanted to create something like this and just see where it will go and just sit back and watch the fireworks happen. But. Well, I mean, yeah. all of history is, is a narrative to a degree. I mean, all of it is in the, the accepted narrative is, is the narrative told um, to the masses. And then there's, you know, alternative narratives that um, either expand the truth or sometimes suppress the truth in some way mm-hmm. or, or alter the truth. I mean, there's plenty of things where there, there is a real there's a real worry when you archive something. Uh, you have to keep the exact replica of what it was like without context and put it within. The second you start adding context or flavoring it, uh, it, it mutates. Um, and I was thinking until I lost my train. Well, like, look at Detroit. Like, for for our area, you've got the Jimmy Hoffa story. How many mm, that's different a great variations of right. the Jimmy Hoffa story have come out oh. of it? Where a person says, "Well, we dropped his body into we dropped his body in, out of a plane." There was another one where the Zowaki Bridge, which is this weird bridge, um, going up the, towards Flint. Yeah, towards Flint, where it's uh, it's this bridge that goes over a canal with these big, huge cement pillars. And the le- one of the legends is, "Well, Jimmy Hoffa's body's in one of those cement Zowaki pillars." Bridge. Right. Yeah. I, I, you, I'm sure you have. Met that uh, probably in real life, a person or two tells you like they like a real life person who is a friend of a friend or a family member says they know the real story and, um, and, and their story. I have two. I know two for sure. I've met a person that their story was very, very convincing that they said that they uh, they were to track down what happened, where and when the body went to. Really? And what they believe is that the body was actually cremated in the uh, it was a Detroit cemetery. I can't remember which one it is, but the body they took the body after they after they killed Hoffa. They took him there and they cremated the body immediately uh, to dispose I heard the same of thing. I heard yeah. it's uh, I heard resurrection. Is where uh, the body was cremated yeah. and put in someone else's, someone else's grave. That I've heard that version of the story, and the other version I've always heard was um, the body was taken and it was put in a cement box, like a um, like a um, like a like something you do like a oh what was it not a cement box like a cargo shipping container yeah. and it was shipped out with cargo just to rot and, and, and sit in some place in like Manitoba see that I have that one's a little weird for me because right. somebody would come across and find one right. of the shipping containers and there's a shipping right. manifesto where it came from the one right. that, the one about him being cremated is the one that I would have the least amount of problem believing the timeline made sense and 
uh, it's not, ver- it's, you know, he had it broke down to at this time the body was, he was killed from here, it was put to here, it was taken to here, and at this time it was cremated, and then the ashes were just scattered, you know, over, you know, from a plane or into the water. I can't remember what they did with the ashes, but getting rid of the ashes would not be that hard. The hard part is getting rid of the body, and the oh. best, most effective and fastest way to do it would be to take him to a cemetery or a crematorium and have the body cremated. But well, I don't know. We'll never I know. To, but this is this is a side uh, track. But uh, there there is an episode of your show you should do about the guy in Gross Point who was uh, uh, oh, it was a Gross Point guy in the, the morgue. I have to look it up now. But it was um, of how many shady things go on in in, in funeral homes in general, mm-hmm. where like it's so easy to, to dispose of or traffic in, in body parts. Um, oh, I don't want to slander anybody here. <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't want to say his name because I might say it wrong. No, I don't. Don't do that. You don't have to. Right, don't worry. I, I will I not do that. I'm going to be running this on my show too, and I don't want to deal de- with legal yeah, implications. I'll, I'll, I'll DM you that one later on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So, but performance art. I always thought of, of one thing, and then going back to the idea of um, you know creating a different narrative. I mean, how much of this could just be like disinfo, right? I mean, if you really wanted to run this program, and you were running a program like this, um, but you know, it would it would make sense twenty years down the road. Why you would slip the story into the bloodstream unless you had some uh, some idea? I, I in terms of like the 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 legend popping back up that it didn't happen at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So the the only thing is that the the eighteen year gap does bug me that there was never anything in one of those massive tomes. Just just in terms of like I, I don't know why the eighteen years bugs me so much, but like. Of nothing similar to it in 18 years were like those big tomes of books that came, came out for a long time. They were bathroom books of like, you mm-hmm. know, thousand popular urban legends. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know what I mean? There's never anything like that until. Because 19- it's a very easy legend to create. Because, again, you had all of the pieces in place to make the legend. You had you had shady, you know, you had shady things going on. You had government officials hanging out arcades. You had the video games popping up to be tested and then they would be gone and they were unmarked video games. You had people getting sick. Um, all all of the pieces were there for it to happen. So all something like this would take would be a little bit of a nudge to get it going. It's um, you know every everything is there for it to fit. You had the government doing experimental testing on people and doing these kinds of things. Uh, not this specifically, but the, you know they've been known to do this kind of stuff before. So right. it's a very easy if a person's in on this kind of stuff and they're sitting around and they're thinking about it. You know it wouldn't be that hard to put something else that, like this together and put it out there. The fact that it popped back up again a couple of years later, you know that's that's what's really neat is the fact that. Um, I could see very easily how this legend would grow. You know, we've, as we've said millions of times now, the fact that it didn't grow faster or the fact that there was a gap there of when it first posted and then a couple of years later when it popped back up again, that's the neat thing about it is what what sparked this to make that particular thing grow? What was it about this thing other than, yeah, it sounds true? You know, it's, right. you know, for whatever reason, what made this particular one go? It's like the the show that we did a couple of weeks ago on my show about the Slenderman phenomena. Right. Um, that that was a very weird one because that one kind of evolved backwards. That that started in a creepy pasta page where people were asked to write a story and post it. It was known from the beginning, write a fake story about a mythical monster. And then when it posted, that one took off. That one was like people were like, no, wait a minute. I've seen this. I've had experiences with this kind of thing. Um, in that situation, I think what a lot of it is is that the with the Slenderman phenomena, where you have this tall, very skinny, dark creature 
that uh, that you know terrorizes or does whatever it does. That's a whole story within itself. Right. That people um, would identify with something like that is that archetype of a creature is you see that happen all the time. Like there was an episode of uh, Doctor Who where they had uh, I can't remember what they are. And I know I, I should I should be shot for not knowing oh, this. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say you don't know, Doctor Who monsters. Come on. Um, but there was you know there was the ones in there where they were wearing the suits and they had the uh, the long faces. There was an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that had these really long like creatures that were very slender man-esque um so you see this kind of archetype of, of strange creature you know in the background throughout history with all these different monsters and things like that so when slender man comes along it's kind of an amalgamation of all these things where people can go oh yeah that you know that guy, right. that creature right there and uh but that that legend was weird because it evolved backwards. It wasn't like people like I've seen this and started reporting it. It was known from the beginning that it was fake, and then it turned into like what you had with the two little girls trying to murder their friend over right. the Slender Man thing. That that's what makes that legend so bizarre is how that particular one evolved. Like you have things like Mothman, where people see the moth with the eyes and it affects the whole town or what have you. Right, Bigfoot. It's phenomenon. much more localized. I agree with saying. Yeah, the the dog. Like in Michigan, you have the Northern Michigan, the the birth of the dog man legend. Um, right. You know, where people actually report seeing this thing, and then the legend evolves from the sightings that people saw. So, yeah, it's a strange thing. You know, urban urban legends, just how they evolve and how they grow are, are very fascinating to me. But I think one of the reasons why this one's stuck and it's why it's unique, um, why why certain certain stick and certain don't. Uh, and, and some I, some I think believe, I, I believe, get beyond urban legends and just become part of pop culture. Is like Slender Man, Plebeus, did I say it right? Yeah, I did say it right. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Say it, what is it again? It's Polybius. As far as Polybius. I know, it's Polybius. Okay, good. There yes. we go. But like stuff like that, I think um, when it's when it's tailored for an audience, I think Slender Man's tailored for uh, a younger audience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your guest hit it pretty good with like I – mean, I, you can expand it to anyone who's, who suffered from any kind of bullying uh, in adolescence in terms of like it's a pretty good power fantasy. But I think that one – connects to them more specifically whereas this one is created for like specifically it feels like a subculture that would ravenously want to find out like for me if someone came out and said hey there is a lost elseworlds batman comic out there where it's batman as like a pirate right Mm -hmm. I guarantee if you put that on a comic book forum, myself included, I would remember some annual from 1992. We're like, yeah, definitely there was Batman as a pirate. No, there was, by the way. But I'm just saying an example. Like Batman is a caveman, Batman is whatever. And there would be a creation of a myth around this idea that Batman really was whatever Elseworlds comic that was really published by uh, Mike Mignola in 1992. Uh, And there would be plenty of people to, to go back and backfill in, you know, retroactively material saying hey i i do have a i remember a page of this and it looked like this and my mind would fill it in but it would be specific enough for an audience who would who would who would be versed in the language to fill in the blanks right see now i'm not so sure because now with the information age everything is traceable everything is findable you can do some google searches and some real research and you can find stuff but 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 the genius is you never you never actually show the like but this you never actually show up maybe they did later on like oh yeah my friend actually has a picture of it but that's mm-hmm. something that gets called out pretty quick where they show like a reconstruction of it or, or whatnot mm-hmm. but i think the ones that are more 
believable. I think the way that what you said and what I saw before, like there was vague descriptions of it and it, and it was, and it was tied to stuff that existed and they were vague enough about like what it looked like without attempting to be specific saying, I saw it specifically in this place. Um, you, do you know what I mean? Like everyone else kind well, of yeah, filled plus in. the legend fits because the game wasn't supposed to be around that long. You're talking right. like two, three right. weeks and then it was gone. Exactly. You know, so again, it all fits. It all it all fits the pieces perfectly to be able to make this a very believable thing. What amazes me, what really amazes me, is like what we had with the John Teeter situation, where people were adamant, yes, this actually happened. Whereas this is a very, very believable legend, but it amazes me that it's so far into the corner of no, this is definitely not okay. real. Good, because I, I also found that amazing that there was not a lot of diehards when I went like I looked in forums and stuff, yeah, and just online that were like, yeah, this definitely uh, existed. Even people who were trying to troll and make it go, it's forward. like it's too real to be real, right? Oh, that's a great way to describe it. It is too real to be real, and there's like, it's not d- strange enough fiction to, to for right. it to be real. But here's my question: now, if 20 years from now, on whatever hologram technology exists and people are sharing information. I just call it hologram because it's the future. But like this resurfaces again, right? And it's another 20 years removed. There's enough time removed where it can gestate a little bit more. And they go and they stumble upon fragments on, you know, uh, a website I think we both like, uh, Internet Archive, mm-hmm. right? Where there's like bits and pieces of this stuff, but like one article no longer exists or like this podcast no longer exists out there or someone else's, you know, short story that, you know, there's only like the fragments. Maybe it's recreated 20 years from now as all this thing legitimately existed. See, I don't know. That's where I'm at right now with all this stuff because – we're this is a weird burn the candle at both ends kind of situation Mm -hmm. um we're living in an age where everything is searchable and everything is findable but we're also living in the 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 age of fake news as we both know about the last election how much fake news and it still happens it still happens a lot but people are a little bit wiser to it now the difference now is is that people believe what they want to believe for the most part but that's how fake news got how all this fake news stuff got started is uh, like well that sounds true well you know like because uh, you had websites that would they they the website looked right even though it would be like CNN right. blah 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 but it, it wasn't actually a CNN website it just had CNN in the title the story sounded like it made sense like uh, uh, Hollywood um, Hollywood stars blah, blah 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 you know and people would be like right. oh yeah that's that's right well Hollywood's all I liberal. know this person right yeah. exactly I, I know this lifestyle so I can believe yeah I believe that happens it's right. like well did you do your fact checking on it I don't want to I don't need to. That sounds like something it's, it's like – and people capitalized on that and it really affected everything. Even on our show, on our page, like the last show that we just did with a whole bunch of just stupid news stories, when we mm-hmm. do those shows, we, we, we know if, if something we're covering is fake news, you know, we tell people, yeah, this is probably a fake news story. If you think mm-hmm. – you know, don't believe it. If you think this is real or not real – 
go out and investigate it for yourself. Please do that. Because if you do, then we're partly doing our job. You know, we, right. we, we want people to go out and investigate. And because we've covered, we've covered quite a few news. We covered one story we got caught on, and I didn't realize it until after the episode was done, but I left it in there, where it was a story about a guy who was supposedly a time traveler and came back. He was wearing a, uh, a tweed suit or whatever. Well, it turned out it was a, a fake, it was a fake story based around Doctor Who, about Body. around Matt Smith's character, based off of an episode of Doctor Who or something along those lines. And after the episode was over, I got done editing, I figured it out, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to leave this in here because it's funny. You right. know? So... Well, I also wonder if, like, the zone's so flooded. I mean, there's the term the flooding the zone, mm-hmm. full of so much stuff that is... Um, it's too... Th- you got to dig through the mesmion. There's yeah, so much clutter. Ex- yeah. Yes, exactly. That, like, after a while, it doesn't matter. Like, if you don't get to enough layers of it, or you don't see enough versions of it, I, I think once you see a lot of versions alternate versions of things that are not quite right you, you mm-hmm. figure it out but like well eventually when, when, somebody will figure it out and it'll come out later this is the actual story but at that exactly point, it won't but matter it doesn't matter <laughs> you, you, yeah you, you've convinced your 20 percent that you needed to convince that it's true mm-hmm. or or you've you know turned off to whatever or you've, or you've got the people like so how much just to like buy a product i mean there's a lot there's plenty of stuff out there that is like um um just Stuff to buy a product. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a free show idea. You know about Epoch News, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, have you ever done a show? Like, that's the craziest thing. Well, there's like, all kinds no- of them. There's, 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 there's a lot of stories. Like, see, when we first started doing all this stuff, it wasn't as bad. And But as time well, goes on, you can just look and go, nope, I'm not putting that page. I'm not putting well, yeah. that story on my show or I'm like, not putting it on my Facebook like, page. Like, Epoch News is uh, – a disclose.net you know there's all kinds yeah. of uh, info Boom. wars is another great one i'm gonna get shot for saying that probably by oh, somebody nobody yeah you well on, on this on my feed you'll be a welcome it'll be a it'll be a welcome thing to say but uh the epoch news thing is uh, most bizarre thing it, it is a super slick i mean like it's when we talk about like, info wars or something like you look fake news epoch news looks slick like really one really really well run it was found in 2000 by this guy, John Tang, and like a group of Chinese Americans. And it's all – it's a cult essentially, an offshoot of these guys who are from like the Tang dynasty and were kicked out of China. And it's like just a money-making uh, yeah. operation that like – but I mean I didn't know any of this. I just thought it was another one of those like, you know – Newsy.com, you know what I mean? Like some fake goofy thing to get clicks. But it's got like a wild, weird agenda behind it. Plus it also, you know, throws out QAnon and anti-vax propaganda. I mean like it's uh, like there's so many layers to that onion that are so bizarre. Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff out there. It's, it's just bizarreness. Um, and most people, your your average person who has to raise kids, go to work, pay bills, worry about paying their house payment and their car payment, on top of wherever they get their news from on whatever news network they go to, most people don't have the time to go deeper and dig through this stuff. They see something, right. and again, with what we're talking about, that sounds pretty true. There's enough element for it to be there. So going back to what I was saying in the beginning of all this, I'm wondering where this is going to go what's this going to be in 30 years what is the mm-hmm. what is the future of urban legends because really there's not a lot of really good urban legends and, and things like this that come along much anymore oh good because that, that's my next part of my note like i i'm gonna tell you like when you turn this on to me i was really excited because i feel like maybe it's nostalgia talking 
But I feel before the age of the internet, when I would hear this stuff like on the schoolyard or like my uncle who was full of these kind of things would spout them off, Mm -hmm. like they were so abundant out in the the zeitgeist of like walking and talking to people. And today, I I mean, I don't want to sound too Well, you don't hear about people waking up in bathtubs with ice around them anymore. Right. A little note saying, call call a paramedic, your kidney is missing. You know, you don't don't hear about this. You you hear about it, but it's very quickly shot down. If it's fake, it's very quickly found out that it's fake. Correct. So you don't have those kinds of things anymore because there's so much information out there, too. There's people that, you know, what what I'm beginning to see now, and maybe you've noticed, is there's people that make it a point to go and hunt this stuff down and find out if it's real or not. Yes. The question is, is what people will listen to them. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the the, the audience thing is the problem. You can't. I might be one of those people. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, there was was a hot button one I was going to bring up with this. I, I don't know how close to strike to home, but like. I always thought, I mean, maybe I, I, I feel like you've talked about the show before, but I, I don't know how else to attack it. We can edit this out if you want. But the the alien abduction stuff, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, I, I know we talked about um, false memory stuff as well, but like the 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 gray, you know, that when I say alien to someone, I think over the age of. God. Well, the grays are almost immediately what comes into mind because that is the um, that is the go to. You know, when you say aliens, it's almost always the gray aliens that people right. go to because that's become so ingrained into our culture. It's everywhere. It's in Lego sets. It's been, you know, the X-Files. It's 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 like the it's like the Slender Man phenomena. It's an occurrence. It's a stereo. It's an archetype that exists. So when people say aliens, that's the first thing you're going to go to. It used to be little men from Mars. And right. Then all of that. Changed. Well, there's all kinds of stuff. There was like Nordic guys who'd come down. There was. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. The, the golden age of ufology was when you had Nordics and you had meteor guys and you had all these things and then when whitley streber released communion and that right. little almond that book cover alien, man yeah that was what grabbed everybody yeah, there cover. was something about that that grabbed everybody now full disclosure i have had a lot of strange paranormal experiences well, that's um, why I, that's why i tried to approach this uh no it's cool i mean i understand well i have a very um I, I I have I have had a UFO experience. Um, I was not nothing was downloaded into my brain. I didn't have missing time. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was no. not given the secrets of the universe. Something basically just flew over very slowly uh, and then disappeared and reappeared in a couple of different directions at three o'clock in the morning when I was working my old job as a bread delivery driver one night. Um, I was not drinking. I was not tired. Um, I don't know what it was. I I have no idea what it was. I don't think it was something of our technology. Um, it was very cold at night. It couldn't have been a balloon. The go-to thing now is it used to be swamp gas. Now it's drones. Well, you saw a drone. Right. Whatever. I've had that. I've had a, a wide variety of strange paranormal experiences. Having said that, I think about 95% of the stuff that's out there is garbage and crap. Um mm. I don't, I, I don't have answers for anything, and I'm never going to. I don't make it my life's purpose to try to find answers for this stuff because this stuff has been happening for ages, and, and nobody's ever found anything for it, and I don't think we're ever actually going to. There's just an element of something other out there that can't be explained by by our sense or our way of um, interpreting things or explaining things. It's just something that exists beyond 
And, you know, do I think that um, it's really strange. I've brought this up before on other shows. Having had some kind of a UFO experience, basically it was a circular, I won't go into huge details, it was a circular light pattern that just kind of went over top of me down this road. It was completely quiet. It wasn't much taller than a cell phone tower. And uh, it made no noise, and then it vanished. And at the time that I was seeing it, I was like, wow. Because the whole time I'm seeing I'm like, that's because I stopped. I actually had to stop and watch this thing. And mm. the whole time I never went to, because I've been doing this for so long, you don't go to UFO. Is it a plane? Is it a helicopter? Is is it a blimp? Is it a hot air balloon? Is it a drone? So you're trying to go through your, you know, you're trying to do, do the cutoff, whatever it could be. And it's going to reach to a point where it's like nothing I can come up with can explain what I'm seeing right now. And there's this weird moment of disconnect where you're like, crap, I'm seeing something that I legitimately can't explain, which means that everything that I know could possibly be wrong. It's a very strange and weird experience that I that I you know I hope nobody has to go through because when it did happen, I was wound up about it. Like right now, my heart's starting yeah, to race. Yeah, I was going to ask you like, well, 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 I'm, I'm interrupting you when you're talking about, it, but like, God. what's the reaction after? I mean, I, I couldn't imagine I, I was functioning the rest of, of the day. It was well for for I, I went back to that because I drove that route almost every night. I mean, I even yeah. went back there in the daytime. I went back there. There was the very next night. It was a clear night because the night that I saw it, it was low cloud cover. And the next night it was clear and I actually parked at the intersection again and got out of my truck and looked around and I was trying to get a gauge of, okay, at arm length, sticking my thumb out, it looked to be about as big with one eye open, as big as a nickel. The temperature was, you know, because when you, when you cover this kind of stuff, you start to realize, okay, if this happens to you, write this stuff down. I even did try to get a picture of it. Well, how come nobody ever gets pictures? I'm going to get my phone out, get my camera phone, right, take a picture. Right. It was a little dot on a black screen. Right, And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to show this to somebody. Like, look, here's a picture of a UFO. I'd be like, no, that's, that's the way I looked at it. I'm like, if I tried to tell somebody what I just experienced, how would I try to get them to believe what I told? I couldn't. There's no way I could. And on top of that, what happened was is it disappeared. It completely faded out of view. It was gone. And then it reappeared going in a completely different direction, 90 degrees, heading in a completely different direction, which is against the law of physics. And when that happened, I'm like, that's not possible. And then it disappeared again and it reappeared in another going into a completely different direction again. I'm um, like that's that's the, the that's against the laws of physics. You have weight. You have um, inertia. You know, it's you. Uh, right. You can't have something disappear and reappear again. And at that point, I was like, I'm seeing something. I, I can't. This is it. This is the moment. I can't explain this. I don't know what this is. You know, this is what's happening to me. So huh. all of these things go through your head. It's like, all right, here's the deal. I just saw, I just genuinely saw a real genuine UFO. I host a show talking about strange, paranormal, weird things sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Um, so what are the odds of me just happening to see a UFO fly over me and being a guy that you know talks about these kinds of topics? Mm-hmm. So I went on Facebook and I rambled. I put this big, long rambling post about everything that I saw. And... Um, Almost immediately, people are like, oh, no, Rose seeing little green men and, you know, just all this stuff. So I pulled it off. By the time I got off of work, I had pulled it down and pulled it back off of the Internet because people were Mm. they were laughing at me, you know, which I was like, "Okay, well, whatever. I guess I kind of have to expect this. I had one listener that was um, up at night because he was working midnights and he saw my post. He's like, call me. So I'm like, "Okay." I called him up and I'm like. What did I just see? Blah, 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 blah. And I rattled it all off. And he's like, I don't know, dude, but I heard you bought a Jaguar, man. What kind of Jaguar is it? I'm like, <laughs> it was a 2006. It's not that great of a Jaguar. I got it for a really good price. I'm like, dude, you do understand? I don't know what you just saw, dude, but it sounds really cool. And I'm like, no, I need to talk about this. I need to 
I need to try to work through all of this. And it was it right. was a very strange feeling of disconnect. Now, because I didn't understand what it was. Now, fortunately, I've been doing a show like this for all of these years. I've been covering these topics. So I knew what I was getting myself into. Now, if you're Joe Average, again, paying your bills, raising kids, you've got better things to do. You, The average person, you know, on a regular daily basis probably doesn't believe in UFOs and aliens and little grays and stuff like that. You're driving down a road in the middle of the night. This happens to you. You get out of the car. You see this. Now, you've got no one you can really talk to because one of the things I ran into is I either had people that were like hardcore, no, you didn't see a UFO. You saw a blimp. You saw this. You saw that. They would, you know, you absolutely did not see an alien spacecraft. All right, fine. I get it. Then you've got the other people or, you know what? I know you. I believe you. And you're like, well, do you believe me because because you know me? Or do you right. believe me because, you, you know, you're just... It sounds plausible. It sounds plausible. Or you're just trying to humor me. Right. So any explanation that somebody gives you outside of not experiencing it doesn't really sit well with you. So mm. you just kind of sit there and you're, so you've got this all wound up inside of you. Even when I got home, one of my daughter's friends had seen the post and my daughter was like, so um, you saw a UFO. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I didn't talk to about my because I felt awkward talking to my daughter about it. It was strange. But I see how people when they go, you know what, I've had this experience. I've got no one to talk to about it. I don't know what I I don't know what to believe. I don't know what this is. They go to a UFO convention. And here right. at the UFO convention, there's all these people with tables set up that right. got books about, you know, the aliens are greys or aliens are angels or aliens are this or aliens are that. And here's people here that some of them, you know, majority of them are shady and are just trying to sell a book or are trying right. to get you to believe in something. You know what? I believe you. I believe your story. Right. I absolutely believe you. Here's my new book. Read it. You know, you've got an outlet and you can see how people get sucked into the craziness of it, the craziness of the world that is ufology, which is a really messed up world, which I'm, I, we don't get involved with but you can see when you have an experience like this when somebody comes along and says yeah i genuinely believe you you know i'm interested in hearing what you've got to say and well here's how your story fits this agenda and you go you know what this guy believes me he's listening to me and this this makes sense this has you know i saw a ufo so therefore gray aliens must be real and this must be something that exists whereas i kind of sit back and you know i don't really know what i saw it was really really weird or I had this experience happen to me. I don't know quite what it is. It's really, really weird. But I don't think I want to go jumping into that pool with the rest of those piranhas. So I'm just going to sit back here and try to figure it out on my own. And in the end, the best I can do is I don't know what I saw. Because you also get the people like, well, you know, I don't think you saw a UFO, but I believe that you saw the UFO. Right. And it's like, shut up. Don't even tell me that. <laughs> you know? Right, right. I hate people who do that. But I've, I found well, myself a, saying that too. Right? So, yeah. But I, even, I've even, I have found myself saying that to people. And I, I force myself not to because. I wasn't there. I don't know what they experienced, which is another right. almost patronizing thing to say. Um, but you know what? That's true. I, I I think it's. I mean, I'm not comparing this to religious experience, but like it kind of is. You know, because I mean, this is something I, I, that's greater than what you are. That's that's that moment of disconnect. Where it's like I'm seeing something right now that I there, there's nothing can explain what I'm seeing. None of this makes any sense at all. How did that happen? I've gotten to a point in life where I. If someone says that they're – as long as their belief system is not you know, what I feel is like something where it would be um, harming other people. But like you know, whatever they believe is whatever they, they believe. And if it's, if it's you know, something that they genuinely believe, then I, I, it's not harming anyone else. I don't see the, any reason to mock them or patronize them uh, 
which is taking evolution because I used to be, you know, I, I think there's a level of um, nastiness that comes with some skepticism. Yeah, there is. Of anything. Yeah, where it becomes. You also have a lot of cynicism in there as well. Yeah. You have people that are cynics that, are, that claim to be skeptics. Well, and, 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 and it becomes its, or just contrarians, or it becomes their own. Uh, there's, there's that. It becomes its own. Um, it becomes its, its own belief the, system. Yeah, exactly. I've said that many times. The anti-belief becomes its own belief. Yeah, and, and which I I don't think is a healthy disposition to have either. Um, it's, it's, but, it's you know it's one of those it's one of those really odd it's yeah it's something that that I struggle with all the time. I'm always on this fence of. Do I believe this stuff is real? Because I'm also very like I'm very well known. When somebody posts something up on our Facebook page, I'm always like, "That's a fake," and here's why. I'm always one of the guys that goes out there and lets the air out of the balloon, and I'm not doing that to be a jerk. I'm really not somebody that's going out there and trying to smash someone's hopes or ideas. Because what I'm trying to do is, there's you know, I have experienced things that I can't explain. So there's a big part of me that believes, yes, there's something to this stuff, but I want to get rid of all of the junk and the garbage out of the way well, and yeah. get to the stuff that is real that can't be explained you know i want I mean, you know, it, 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 this, you know? It, yeah it would be like if someone told you like hey i uh, i really think that looking into the sun for a minute a day is very healthy for my retina i think it'll really strengthen <laughs> like you wouldn't like you saying like you know what you staring at sun's probably gonna be a really great idea for you it's gonna strengthen your eyes and yeah. clear your glaucoma you're gonna be okay yeah at that point it's pretty good to step in and say like you know this this thing you're deeply immersed in believing it is uh, easily proven fake by dozens of other people and dozen other places and, and hear why you know i i think you lead someone down dark paths when you like allow anything to be accepted no matter what it is yeah yeah it's i'm i'm more interested in like you know what this is garbage. Let's not pay attention to that. Let's try to keep our eye on this moving ball as much as we can, you know, and not not pay attention to the stuff that we can prove is not real. Right. Because uh, there are genuinely strange, strange things that happen that, that we don't have answers for. The things that I've experienced, you know, there's very often when things happen to me, when I have strange things happen to me, I go through Occam's ladder of trying to decipher what what could this be? You know, because I've had, you know, I've had experience happen when I was much younger and uh, it was really strange. It, uh, it's a long story, but um, I go, okay, this could have happened, this could have happened, that could have happened, that could have happened. You know, so I don't entirely know if what actually happened in this particular instance was real. But when this thing flew over top of me, you know, there was n- it was very real, it was very visceral, and I, I know it happened. And it's like, okay, well, I know for sure that happened to me. I can't convince anybody else of what happened to me, but I know it happened to me. So right there, there's a great enough truth for me to believe believe that some of this stuff there's something to some of this stuff somewhere um so i can't poo-poo all of it because it happened to me i can't look at all of it and go well that didn't happen and i, I often very much come across as someone who's very much like that and i try not to because it's it's like i said i i want i want people to pay attention to the stuff that is real you know i want people to and there are genuine things out there and those are the things that we should be paying attention to so if something comes up and it's fake it's like well this is fake let's put it aside and move on right now the the other thing is is that you got to be careful with that because it kind of cheapens it. It's like, well, why? What is what is the idea where people are, are having the? You know, what is the purpose to put these fake stories out there? Is it to is it some kind of a cruel joke from somebody who is a skeptic to go? I'm going to see if I can get people to believe in this, right? And and I'm going to laugh at them when they do believe in it, which also annoys me. <laughs> that, that, right? You know, that's that's bad in my opinion as well. You know, don't if you don't believe in like how much of that is out there. 
What's that? You think? Oh, how much of that is out there? Uh, really? We had a. Oh yeah, we had a video that got posted on our Facebook page uh, last week. It's this. You've probably seen it too. It's this video of a ball lightning flying over top of railroad tracks, and it shoots sparks somewhere, and then it just that's the end of the video. Okay. And that's been going all over the internet. Um, and what it is is. It's somebody actually, it's a CGI person that does it. And then the original video, when it was posted, it's got the guy's name and it says right in the description of the video, CGI. Well, somebody took that and reposted it, edited all that stuff out there and just put, here's an actual occurrence of ball lightning. Now, I've actually seen ball lightning twice. Um... You know, oh, I, I meant, I meant, like you said, how many people put things out there just, just to uh, oh, trolls? I, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's lots, okay. lots and lots. It's, of that's trolls. hard to prove, like, like, because you know, were they gonna then fess up? Oh yeah, I just made that up to to make all you idiots no, believe this. No, but you know, if you, but I, you know, yeah, I've I've met people that'll do that kind of stuff. Interesting, yeah, interesting. I've, you know, that's like the people that absolutely because what it what it does is it validates. It's a way of validating this stuff isn't real, but look, I made you believe it's real, so right, know, I'm right. more superior to you because I know this stuff isn't real, but I got you to believe it, and you believe it, and this just shows how insuperior you are to me or whatever. It's kind of an arrogant thing to do, right? and that also irks me really bad. It's like, if you don't if you don't believe in this stuff, fine, I get it, but don't be an ass about it, you know? Right, right. <laughs> if you've got nothing to contribute to the conversation in some way or another, you know, don't go out and... and it's like there's, there's these like the atheists that make it their life goal to go out and try to disprove that God doesn't exist. It's like if we don't believe God exists, that's cool. That's on you. But don't go out and try to, you know, if, as long as somebody's not doing something bad with like if it's Westminster Baptist, sure, go after those people, whatever right. you want to do. But don't go after the guy who's just, you know, he's living a nice, quiet life and doing whatever and being a good person. Don't go after right. him and belittle him because he believes in God. Yeah, I, I, if his, you know, if his system of belief makes him a better person where, he, where he's not, you know, yeah. doing horrible things, then I, I don't understand. Uh, what? Why would it bother you? Because, you know, he's a fool. Well, okay, then he's a fool in your mind. I mean, you could call someone a fool for a million reasons. Yeah. yeah I, I call you a fool for smoking a pack of cigarettes a day then. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't understand. Like, it, there is a bit it's of that. In the nature. Yeah. This what, it's, it's what humans do. This is this are the kind of things that people do, you know. And uh, as far as skeptics go, you've got the people that are, you know, that they want to – some people – that's another thing. I, I don't – there are just some people that just can't believe. Like, when I was telling my story about the UFO, I encountered many people that they just – they refused to believe anything that I say. They would try to find any way that they could – to get around what I was trying to explain to him. And at that point, it's like, all right, you know, I, j- I just don't want to tell the story anymore. Well, you know? I, then there's looking to argue with you. It's not, they're not looking for you to actually retell the story because they want to hear the story. It's just yeah. looking to, for, you know, to argue, essentially. So some people, I call it colorblind. Some people just can't see these kinds of things or just can't acknowledge that this kind of stuff could possibly exist. Um, for them, and, and I can relate to this, reality is a very here now physical, this is, you know, if it's, if it's not in front of you, you can't see it, taste it, touch it, and it doesn't affect your life in some way, then it's not real. And even in some instances, even if you can, that doesn't necessarily mean it's real either. So, like video right. evidence, if anybody posts any kind of video evidence out there now, I don't believe any of it because video can be faked so easily. Right. Photographs can be faked so easily. We're also getting to a point now where audio can be faked very easily. Adobe has a program. I can't can't remember what it's called now. It happened with the um, – there was the mayor over in uh, local for uh, us. Jim, uh, Fouts. Um, 
Bouts, yeah. Yeah, yeah there was an audio tape that was released of him, and he claimed that it wasn't him saying it. And then later he said, yes, it is me saying it, but my audio has been manipulated because he was saying some very racist things. Right. Adobe has never released that program, at least to my knowledge. They have not yet released this program to the public. But what it does is this program will sample the way you talk, your speech patterns, how your voice works. And it can actually you can it, you can actually type in I went to the store and bought a dog, and even though you didn't say that, it will say it in your voice with your right. inflection and how you do it. So you know, and then you also have the age of deep fake, if you know what that is. Oh um, yeah, yeah. You, know, you have the age of deep fakes where they can take one one a person's face and put it onto the body of somebody else, which was a big problem in the porn industry. So you're in an age now where f- uh, audio and video can be so manipulated. Uh, at this point that it's hard to believe anything really that comes out anymore and it makes it increasingly harder and harder if you're somebody who's into this kind of stuff to believe anything that you see. It is very Philip K. Dickian, isn't it? Very. All yeah, it's that. very that, Orwellian that. and very Philip K. Dickian. It's like yeah. all of these all of these sci-fi stories that we grew up in, they've all come true in their own weird way. Even, you know, the the William Gibson stories in some way or another right. have all come true. But none of them is actually the truth. It's an amalgamation of all of these different things that are the truth. It's it's, it's awesome. Yes, exactly. It's, well, you know, it's never exactly how it's predicted. It's always some askew version of it. But like the 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 bits are there, like the real yeah. bits. Like mem- like um the the concept that I think more and more about all the time, and I've told the book a couple times now, uh, from nineteen eighty four is the the concept of memory holding something, mm-hmm. where like this this thing just gets buried down a memory hole where it's misremembered forever mm-hmm. or it's not remembered forever, and like that is urban legend to a degree of like. Like a reverse memory holding. Instead of everyone forgetting this thing that happened, everyone's remembering this this memory that didn't happen. Yeah, which leads us back you know? to the whole Polybius thing where it's like there you go. all of the elements are there to make this a very believable story. And we're also, again, going into the whole sci-fi possible futures. Because of all these other things that happens, the Philip K. Dickian kind of future fits into where, where it's like, is this like when you're watching the news and stuff? Who do you get your news from? If you watch CNN, then you're probably a liberal. If you're watching Fox News, you're probably a conservative. Right. And you're getting your news from where you want to get it from. It's not necessarily wrong, but it's not necessarily right either. So you're at a point where you're like in a Philip K. Dick novel where it's like, is what I'm seeing actually what the truth is? And... Most of these news networks know that most people don't have the time to make their own decisions or anything like that. They're going to go where they're going to go because they want to hear that kind of news to base, to back what they believe in. And we're now in an age where at one time news was very neutral, but now advertising dollars and things like that have come into play where this is what you believe. We're going to give you news that goes along with that. This is what you believe. We're going to give you news that goes along with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it caters There's, to that. Cater, it caters to that thought, which is very Orwellian and Philip K. Dickian. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> like YouTube for me feels so less Gibson, more Dickian. The idea of like this machine that you turn on that connects to all uh, like recorded media that you could see, and it's got this autoplay feature, which seems so innocent on, on the surface, and you just let it play, and the algorithm kicks in, and you're, like, you're starting with like yep, cat videos. Yeah, the content that you want. Yeah, and then, and then by the end of the by the end of the autoplay of starting with cat videos, you're watching like you know for some reason the algorithm kicked you there. Rwandan genocide, you know, uh, videos like like mm-hmm. there's just it, it's so macabre and so mundane at the same time that like this math equation 
right, can determine like what you want to consume by your preferences picked on a box or just by your viewing habits. Uh, the, you know, the, the concept of like autofill mm-hmm. in Google still fills me with dread at times when I type in something and it's like predicts what I'm going to type because of, I didn't clear my, you know, cookie and, and search history for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, it builds a profile of what you're looking for. Exactly. There was, a, I think it was last year, a couple of years ago on our Facebook page, I put it, there's this thing that I'd always wanted to do. And I finally did it, but I didn't, I don't, I didn't get quite enough people to make it work fully the way that I wanted it to. But I said, um, I want everybody to go on Facebook and post something. Something about fish sticks. Um, just, you know, whatever. I made fish sticks today or just put the word fish stick somewhere. So what it would do is the search algorithms that say, wow, you know, I was hoping somebody somewhere would go, wow, these people are really interested in fish sticks. Maybe right. we should run more ads on fish sticks. And sure right. enough, not everybody, but there was quite a few people where fish sticks started appearing in their Google and it started appearing on Facebook ads yep. and all these kinds of things. I was like, it would be really cool to go out and mess with the system because now that you know the rules of the system, now that you know the limitations of it and how it does things, you can screw with that and you can have a lot of fun. I thought it'd be really cool to get a whole bunch of people, everybody in on the joke and just say, all right, this is what we're going to do because it's all being run by a computer. It's not going to pick up on it quite that quickly. Let's see if we can screw with these algorithms and let's see if we can, like, let's put cotton candy fish sticks in there and say, you know, okay, well, you know, just, just mess with the parameters and see how much we can screw with this and see how much we can bend the matrix and just sit back and kind of be like the skeptic who's putting these fake stories out there and laughing at the people that believe in them. I'm like, let's see, see if we can do that to these systems. But, it, but the, pro- go the ahead. problem is you, you can't because it's so vast at this point and you would need so many human beings to do it because it would silo you off in your own algorithm. It We're would. like your, again, your version still, of reality is totally different than everyone else's. But it's version not of, really yeah. your version of reality because you're purposely manipulating the system. No, so if I, it does sidetrack you, okay, now we've done that. Now let's do it again. Now let's see. Let's see how many. Let's see how much we can mess with this and just screw with it. You know, let's see how much we can we can take. Now that we know how it tracks you and everything, let's see how much we can actually screw with that and play with it. Because when I, I was like, about my first guy on Facebook, oh, I like this band, I like that, and I was like, wait a minute, hold on a minute, what's going on with my information here? What's going mm-hmm. on? with my searches so now i'm a lot more that's kind of why i use a fake name um it's not because i'm, I'm trying to like oh, i'm just going to create this name and be really cool or whatever no it's because i like some degree of privacy but even then there is no privacy anymore not complete privacy right. it can't exist it hasn't existed for quite some time but um yeah i've always had this idea of like i want to get as many people as i can and let's <laughs> let's try to rebel against this system in some way and let's play with it and let's screw with it as much as we can until the system adapts and then we'll have to do it again and you know it's kind of a game i want to play with it you know that reminds me of like uh we talked about performance art but like the merry pranksters of the 60s yep or like the whole uh, that that whole concept of that stuff seems all dead by the way like all no, that it still like, happens uh, we just it? had a guy on a little while ago he was part of this organization called the billboard liberation front and okay what they would do is they would find billboards they would climb up on them and they would change and they would alter the billboards but they would use the same font the same colors and everything like they had a mcdonald's billboard they altered instead of saying i'm loving it would say i'm hating it and it would be the same the same um the same so if you, 
So if you glanced at it, you wouldn't notice it first and the second time, you'd be like, whoa, what's that? Yeah, you'd see it. You're like, what's going on here? Or like the people who take the um, the signs on the side of the road, that, that the blinking signs with the messages right. on them. We had one around here. It said something like Jedi battle on the way. Uh, there was one that was in the news where um, zombies are coming head to colder climates. You right. know, just little people that mess with. But yeah, it's still out there. It's just um, it doesn't get I don't think the media it gives it a lot meaner. of attention. Maybe well, they that's it. Maybe, maybe mean sells bleeds it leads. I feel already yeah. just meaner. Exactly. Uh, Everybody's got yeah. too many other things to go on to pay attention to. And plus, I don't think the media really wants to pay attention to it that much because it screws with things and they don't want to give it attention because it'll cause hey, more probably of right. it. So that's me being conspiratorial, of course. I like it. Those are conspiracies. <laughs> I get by. Okay. So as we approach the two-hour mark, is there any other avenues we didn't hit with Polybius? I think that's pretty much – well, there's there's a lot of avenues because one of the things that once you start digging into and you see the cast of characters that have – that it's it's like we were saying earlier where somebody grabs a piece of the urban legend and latches onto it and takes it into their own direction. There's people that are in as, – as any – like the John Teeter story, there's always people that are in these legends that latch onto something and try to take it somewhere and do their own thing with it. Um, that one guy I was telling you about, the uh, Christian Oliver Winder um, – yeah, do a search on him and do uh, like he goes under the name who he was going under the name Cyber Yogi. So if anybody's out there and Google's those combinations of things and, and follows where that guy goes, that guy's he he's a character within himself. He's you know you could do a whole show just on that guy and the crazy stuff that he's done. Um, but essentially, that's it. It's just the bottom line is that this legend is um, it, it's it's cool because it sounds very very plausible but again it's the one legend that everybody went nah that's not true it's like well everything right. is here for this legend to sound very true but you know mass you know, everybody's like nah this isn't real <laughs> it's, that's the right. one thing about this that just you know kind of twists the gears in my head a little bit going wow how does this happen but slender man you know, how does this not happen but slender man and john teeter do happen <laughs> right <laughs> it's like right. it's not fantastic enough is that it you know so i don't know but yeah that's that's you know it's that's that's the, that's the basics of it and to go from there you can you can dig in deep as far as you want to oh that's great uh, I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you two show pitches that are hard, that are hard right and hard left turns. Okay. All right. The one that I, I wanted to do and I forgot what it was uh, as I was talking to you is the guy. Now, see, this might be one of those uh, new splat stories you do where you guys just do crazy stories. Yeah. Although it's old, it's old. We call it's ramble cast. Yeah. Ramble cast. Okay. Um, here I will pitch you the story. Feds, Gross Point businessman made fourteen million dollars selling diseased body parts. He cut them up the bodies of the chainsaws, stored human heads in Listerine-filled coolers, and sold body parts riddled with disease to unsuspecting medical researchers along that the way. That sounds fake. It's for real, real. But it sounds story. fake, though. I mean, that would be one of those ones I would, I would, we might actually cover that one actually because okay, because that sounds like something we would cover. Buddy, it goes down a rabbit hole at yeah. some point. In, in we court, may have he, actually covered that. How long ago did that happen? Two thousand eighteen. Yo, I don't know if we could send it over to me. Send it on Twitter or something like that. I'm going to because yeah. uh, he also claims the feds set him up with a fake terrorist organization. Yeah, that bought the body. I mean, like it's a saga. It's a, it's a story that that needs to be told. But I don't have the bandwidth to do it. To be perfectly honest with <laughs> the you, the mental wherewithal. Yeah, but it's it's a wild one. It's so wild. There's like a whole cascade of stories that come out of it, okay. and I don't know what. what I don't know if the, the the case got dropped or not because like everything stops like about four months ago. 
See, that's another like, one. That those are usually signs of fake stories where the story oh, just ends crazy. and doesn't go anywhere. It's crazy. It's a crazy. Like I don't want to. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to ruin it for you. But like, it's wild. It's some wild stuff. There's a wife involved. Uh, I'll just ready. Freezer full of body parts awaits day in court. Man may have contributed to 100 cases of HIV across the globe. Body parts dealer. Fake terrorism fighters fooled me into my confession. These Again, are other links to the story. I know they sound, that sounds fake too, but you know it's yeah, I, it, it could be real. Uh, hold on a second. I just want to tell you what his company was called because it's a good name too, which also sounds kind of fake. His company's name was. Oh, ready? His book that he okay. His name first surfaced a decade ago in a book called Body Brokers. I've heard of this. Okay, so this guy might be legit. Yeah, I've heard I've heard of this. We've we've covered many stories like this. Um, part of the reason that we do the show that we do, and one of the reasons we're not like every other paranormal show out there or strange show out there, is that we like to do stuff that we haven't heard about and that we like to learn ourselves. Mm. Um, or if we do cover things like Polybius or UFOs or aliens or and Bigfoot, you know, we try to cover them in a different way that hasn't been covered before. But I go back to, wow, we don't know anything about this. Let's have somebody on here to talk about this or to talk about what direction that this went into. Um, so, yeah, this is, these would be things that we would definitely cover in a Ramblecast because they're such odd, bizarre stories to throw them out there and, and tell people about them. There, There is a large black market out there for body parts like this for research and, you know, and various just different things. There are some people even have just fetishes for owning this kind of stuff. Don't ask me why, but hey, you know. <laughs> no, hey, different strokes, different folks. Yeah. The other one is I got to get you to physically go to the uh, March Day Non Rouge with me. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, that's on the agenda to try to pull oh, off perfect, this year. I've perfect, already got four people perfect. that want to go with me. There you um, go. When does that take place again? This takes place typically the third week of March. Let me make sure if it's March, March de Non Rouge. It is a lar- It's a Mardi Gras style festival. Yep. Um, based around the legend of the Non Rouge. Yep, the Nan Rouge, the little red dwarf of Detroit. There you uh, go. I've covered that a long time ago, briefly, uh, on our show. Uh, but it's cool that this festival exists. I have an event going on the second week week of March. Um, do you know the exact date of that? Mm, I'm usually I'm looking here, I'm looking here. So each spring, typically the 2000 parade follows. I think it is. I see. No, it would really help if I just went right to their website. Yeah. And looked at that, but I. Their website's kind of wanky. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. For a big event. Like I, I talked to the, there's a there's a uh, years ago about five years ago I talked to the guy who put it on. John Tenney. I'm not. I mean, John Tenney. Yeah. yeah. Nice guy. Very nice guy. Yeah, but like, I know him. He's pretty cool. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah I know John. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, I know John. We've, I've hung out with him before. He's been on my show a couple of times. He's really Dude, hard to get on the show. Dude, you definitely got to go to this then. Yeah, oh. I've, 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 I've hung out with John a few times. Like, he I've, he does these little, well, he doesn't, I don't know if he's done it lately, but he does these little coffee shop meetups or this. He'll have these, like, 
he'll go on on social media like, okay, we're all going to meet up here at this Coney Island, which is a 24-hour Coney Island. We're all just going to okay. meet up. We're all going to have coffee and hot dogs, and we're all just going to talk about weird stuff. And it's kind of like a big social people just show up. We sit down, and we start talking about weird stuff. And that's how I met him and a few other people. And then uh, there was various different events that I would go to. There's actually a really funny story that involves him giving a speech on stage and me eating a banana, making direct eye contact with him while he's oh, on stage. Buddy. Exactly. Um, so you got it. You got it. Then oh, I didn't know he knew him. All right. Yeah, I know. I know it, him. You know everybody. It is March. It's March 23rd. This 22nd. 22nd. Yeah, March I should be able to make it to that. I should be. That shouldn't Beautiful. be a problem. That'll be Beautiful. right after. Yeah, that'll be. I'll be able to make it to that. That's on a Sunday too. I don't work on Sundays. It's on a yeah, Sunday. It's during the day. If you're going, I will definitely go. As long as it's not like. Like as long as it's not like a UFO meetup at some weird church, oh, fundamentalist no. church or something like that <laughs> no, out in the middle of nowhere, no, no, no. you know, that I'm was, fine with it. That was not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's it was not story. what you thought it was going to be either. So let's let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tried to warn you not to come, but that's oh. a story for a different time that we may have told on here already. <laughs> a little bit. That was uh, that was a uh, oh, those murals on the windows, and the walls, man. They were like, Good, I had to get out of that there. That was a, a UFO conference that I was duped into going to. That we get down there, it's it's this abandoned strip mall in, in southern Michigan, and uh, it's like an outlet mall that never succeeded, so it shut down. And we pull up, it's this parking lot, and it's this weird church. And you had to drive a considerable amount of distance to get here, and I felt horrible. But and I was I'm, going to Ohio anyway. So yeah, that, I tried that to warn out. you. I'm like calling. I'm like, don't come here. Don't come here. This is bad. This is not what you thought it was be and i had a couple of buddies of mine a couple of them were were skeptics and another guy that was there was actually really into ufo history he showed up i felt really bad for having these people come because they the one guy had to come from flint so he drove yeah, he very conservative me and he was pretty cool but he's like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do this and i'm like oh man i couldn't make it through the whole thing um but it was some kind of a christian fundamentalist church trying to explain that which is, this is not a new this is not a new meme that uh aliens and ufos are actually the devil here sent here to pull people's views away from God, mm. um, and they had uh, they were showing all these slides on the screen, which were. Um like they said, I said, well, we don't know what angels look like. What do angels look like? And they showed a picture of frat boys and they said, well, these could be angels right here. And I'm looking at my That's friends and crazy. they're looking. Yeah, it was, it was really funny and crazy. The first break hit, I was gone, but we walked into the church and you could tell the people that belonged to the church and they were giving us a sideways slant eye and we're giving them the sideways slant eye. Like what's going on here? And it's, oh. it was something. And um, it was, a, it was, it was wild. They it was really some wild stuff. To like keep in contact with them. They wanted me to sign up on their list and they're like, we have a UFO investigation team. Team that goes out and investigates these things, and I'm like, well, what is that? Oh, really? Like, I didn't know that. Part. Oh, yeah. They're like, we have a UFO investigation team. This has been a while since I'm going. I might be getting the story wrong here because it happened. I'm, this is one of those things where I try to blank it out. Like, I wish the aliens had abducted me and blocked this out of my memory, but it right. didn't happen. Right, that right. the guy said we have a UFO investigative staff that when we have a call-in number, when somebody calls and reports that a UFO is seen, we will round everybody up and, and go on and investigate. I'm like, well, how does this go about? They're like, well, we'll somebody will call, we'll contact everybody, they'll meet here, and they'll load up into the the, the van, and then we'll go to where the incident happened, and uh, you know, we'll document it, and then we'll do a prayer circle, and we'll try to pray it away or whatever. I'm like, so basically you're just rounding people up and putting them into the church van and going to the location of where the UFO probably 
we might have been seeing if it was a UFO. It could have been. Oh, yeah, it could be wild. anything. It could be an airplane. It could be whatever drone. Here we go again. But uh, and you're just going to sit around and hold hands and then pray. I'm like, uh, yeah, um, I, I gotta go. I've got flesh eating bacteria and. Um, <laughs> I, I gotta leave. I gotta go. And my oh, skeptic friends like, "No, don't leave. This is a lot of fun." I'm like, "No, this is painful. This is not fun." So I couldn't deal with it anymore. Uh, apparently, See, I, the whole thing we fell apart just... after the first break. Everybody just kind of got up and left. The church oh, yeah. people left, that's and the good. UFO people. Everybody that's... just mutually got up and said, "This is bad," and left. That's funny. <laughs> so, I, I just, I just expect I was gonna get like a, um, like a, a Thetan reading. Like they were gonna read me like into the into the group, and I was like, "That's I'm what not, it felt I'm not like." Sick. That's yeah. what it felt. But the people, like a religious timeshare. Even the people at the church I was listening to before I got started, the people at the church were like, "I don't, you know, do we really want to do this? Do is this something we're really oh. into?" And the one guy was like, "I don't know. Let's see what happens." You know. So Let's even the people happens. at the church were not really into it. And I think yeah, there, there was, was twelve attendees there. there, and of those attendees, five of them were church members. So <laughs> like that was someone's idea to like get some new members there and then when they got the new members there they were like well, this feels weird they were also supposed if, to show this ufo documentary oh that yeah was put that's out. right and in like 10 minutes in the conference the guy goes well if you're here to see the conference um we don't have the film they never sent it <laughs> to us so and it was at that point that we looked at each other and we we're like oh this is my, my friend is like laughing she's like this is going to be really good and she's taking notes and stuff like that and i'm just sitting there going wow wow what what Wow! Wow! <laughs> what what have, been, what have I done? What if because they I've marketed been some weird stuff? That was that was weird. That was like I, I don't know what it was, man. I like well, they I marketed like, you know, like it was going to be a big thing. So we, yeah. you know, you know, we got down there. We we were totally snafu'd. Because even when I pulled up, I'm like, well, there is a conference center over there, so maybe it's in the. Conference it was pretty center. big. It was yeah. like like it was run down, but it was big. So I was like, you know what? Like it's a little junky looking, but like, you know, you could fit a, a good couple hundred people in there. Yeah. I, I could see some normal place, but like, there wasn't a couple of hundred cars in the parking yeah. lot. There was like twelve. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I thought it was gonna be like um, it's closed down now. Remember, Walter used to have the uh, like the weird. Um, they had like there was like a head. Like extended head shops or like new age shows and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I went to I, I went to one of those. Well, that's right, you did go wrong. Because the, the Raelians were there, right? Yeah, you the Raelians were there. There was a woman there that was trying to sell. That was actually fun. That was a really fun. That that was that's a com- not this fun to go to. They had a combination. It, it was a craft show, but they also had the holistic festival going on. So the two just kind that's, of blended into one another. Literally, yeah. there was a woman there that was trying to sell me holistic spiritual potholders, and um, my one buddy, the fun skeptic, he's with me. He's like, no. We're going to embrace this and see where it goes. And there was a guy there that was doing the whole UFOs or demons, and they made a deal with the Nazis. And he had a great storyline. And my friend's just lopping it up. And I'm trying not to laugh. I had to walk away. I go over to another table, and I grab a piece of candy, which is another thing. You do not go to these festivals. If they have candy on the table, do not take the candy. Because once you touch the candy, they go, ah, you're in. We got you. You took mm, a candy. Right, right, you have right. to listen to our spiel. So I thought she was just selling potholders or, like, weave potholders and stuff. And she right, starts right. going into about how if you use these potholders, when you're baking, they'll put you into a higher plane of existence, increasing your vibrations, allowing you to see mm. into the spiritual realm. And I'm sitting there like my mouth drops open. I almost dropped the candy out of my mouth. And I'm like, 
uh, are you for oh, cause real? Because you, you assumed it was just like part of the craft show. Yeah, people, I, thought not part craft of show. <laughs> I thought it was craft show. I thought it was craft show. I mean, it's never in my life did I expect to hear a woman tell me that if I used her pot holders that I would be vibrated onto a higher plane of... Ex- so part of me was like, no, she's just telling me this to get me to buy her pot, pot holders because she knows the people that are here. This is a shale stick. This is clever marketing. This woman doesn't really believe this. And she never broke character. So, mm. I mean, I wish I had a picture of what my face looked like because my mouth just dropped and I'm just sitting there staring at my eyes all big like no really no no for real <laughs> no 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 you're not trying to tell me that if i use your potholders i'm going to be able to talk to dead people right or am I, what I, i'm uh, what so i even reached on i just kept grabbing candy and eating candy <laughs> just mesmerized by her then they had the people there that were selling the stones and the crystals which you have at every show uh, right shea butter i mean it was really strange because you'd go to one table and you'd have somebody trying to sell you whatever the ghost hunting frank's box of the week and the next table over would be somebody selling soap and the next table would be somebody trying to sell you um ufo documentaries and the next table would be somebody selling hair weaves you know well, you know what, what used to be like that until they gentrified and cleaned it up was like Easter Market in the in the bad in the bad years. Yeah, would have stuff like that, and they would. Have, I wish they would still have these. They would have. They wouldn't call them. They wouldn't call them. I don't know what they would call them. To be honest, they, they were like book shows. They would have, mm-hmm. and you would get like regular booksellers, um, and then you would get like fringe booksellers, and you would get some good stuff. I. I might still have some wild stuff, some really, really good stuff of like um, people who like self-published manifestos and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how uh, the uh, Anarchist Cookbook came about. Right, right. You get tons of stuff like that. But like um, – but since they cleaned up, like I don't know where to find that stuff anymore. I don't know if that stuff exists anymore to be honest with you. It does, but it's all print on demand now. You can't. Yeah, that's that's uh, problem. Not feasible. It's not a guy to, hauling around a van throughout yeah. the Midwest. I mean, right? you can go online again. You can go online. I belong to a whole bunch of different like weird that's libraries. That's not as fun that, though, right? Yeah, it's not as fun as going to a bookshelf yeah. and flipping through and going, "What is this?" You know, yeah, this I is know. five bucks. I don't know what this is. I'm going to buy it. I've got a book that somebody sent me from Europe called "How to Bluff Your Way Through the Occult." You know, <laughs> it's this little little hand pocket book thing. It's pretty funny. You know, I'd like to have on my bookshelf just laying around so when people come over and see it. Um, my buddy's got a magazine called Nazi Moonbase that he leaves uh, sitting on top of his. Uh, That's pretty good. It's a whole <laughs> spoof a magazine. It's either a gaming magazine. No, it's. I think it's a tabletop gaming magazine made to look like a real magazine. And he leaves it sitting on top of his toilet in his bathroom. So I, he had a bunch of friends where I come walking out of the bathroom once and I'm like, uh, so I see that you've got the new copy of uh, Nazi Moonbase magazine sitting in your bathroom there, you know. Right. <laughs> and if you're not in the know and you don't know what it is i mean imagine going into someone's bathroom and you see this like somebody made a magazine about this stuff you know <laughs> i you know i i lost it in a movie i used to have a book that was i i'm almost positive as a parody but the book was um maoism in the suburbs and it was like you could tell someone made it on like um it was slick though it was so maybe it was like a, a limited print from like college mm-hmm. but it was like almost like one of those lampoon type magazines it was about 80 pages so it was a little longer than usual but the the premise was like a sales pitch to like because maoism is the idea of you uh sell the communist revolution to people in the countryside and then they bring it to the people in the city and this idea was you sell it in the subdivision and then they bring it to the workplace and then it goes up to the corporation and you take over all the corporations and like some of it seemed like legit I'm like I, I could see a college kid like putting this together oh yeah but then there but then there's like this peppered in stuff of like 
recipes for a dinner party for converting housewives and it was like what the fuck i fudge like what is going on with this thing <laughs> but it was so good and like one of those things that just fell apart it's got it might be a long box of comics somewhere but like that stuff um Part of the thing is like the tactile nature of mm-hmm. picking that stuff up at a at yeah, it's a like bookstore. Band, it's old band like bandzines, you know that exactly. Kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's the same like kind. Online, yeah. The problem is online. Like I don't know, I I can't leaf through it and see what I'm going to get. No, you, exactly. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, you want to hold it in your hand and flip through it and look at the weird pictures and the weird articles. We used to have uh, that one in Detroit. It was called Fun Magazine. It was a uh, it would yes. come out every couple of weeks. It was a weird little this little magazine they put together with all this really crazy stuff in it and. uh it was a lot. It was a lot of fun to get. It was free, but it was also like a place where it was like a band zine. It would be like whatever, uh, whatever bands were coming into town would be advertised into this and what club they were at. And like St. Andrews Hall would run an ad in there. And yeah, Arbor Rose or wherever else. Yeah, and you had all these really off the wall like just recipes and, and social gatherings and parties and stuff that were going on. It was just a really bizarre, fun little magazine to have. It was it was called Fun. Uh, Jerry Vile, I believe, was the guy who put that out. Was the the guy the guy behind all of it. And and then it just dried up and went away because print's so expensive nowadays yeah. to do. You know, it's getting advertisers and stuff is now it, it's hard oh. to put something like that and hold it together. So a lot of that stuff has gone online. Mad Magazine. Yeah, Mad Magazine. Uh, what was the other one? There was one that was Mad was the big one though. Cracked was the uh, National Lampoons brother, was another one. National Lampoons. Yeah, but Mad Mad hung on for a long time, then died, came back, and then died again. Yeah. Like, track's been gone forever. Lampoon's been gone forever. Um, what I can't was the think black and white one? I'm, I can't believe uh, uh, News of the World. No, it wasn't. What was it? It was a Weekly World News. Oh, uh, yeah, we, with Bat Boy. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got a Bat Boy statue right here, right here in front of me right now. In front, yeah, you know, front. those have some good, like, legit, um, like, article, articles in it, too, like, interviews and stuff. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm serious. I, I if you go back through and look at some, they're not like they're not made to be pulp. I, I swear, like like some point someone thought like took their job serious and like I'm gonna interview this guy like who's an artist. Well, it's hard to take seriously when you got a picture of Bill Clinton shaking hands with an alien on the front cover, you know. They were fun. I used to love those because you'd be at the grocery store and you just pick it up and read it while you're waiting in line. I if they were around that, today, I would I would absolutely buy them now. I would I would buy them just to have them. That ended in 2007. It was yeah. uh, 1979 was when it started. Yeah, you can still buy the T-shirts and stuff from Weekly World yeah. News. You can buy T-shirts of the they're, – they're still around, but they're not putting out publications. Or if they are, they're online kind of ones. But again, there's it's just oh, when it's when it's not on anymore. Like it's not yeah, uh, like, yeah. It, it's when it's online, it feels like anything else online. Well, part of the problem now is also like uh, the Onion was t- staying saying this that uh, they're having yeah. a really hard time. Putting putting stuff out now because satire it's it's especially in the day and age that we live in even politically like the onion is no longer funny you can read something on the onion and go you know what this this actually could be happening right now or this this sounds like something that would right. happen right now the onion was funny because it was so ludicrous when that the the stuff they were you knew it was fake you knew it was fake now right. it's like the onion is even stated we can't we're having a hard time coming up with stuff that's ludicrous anymore consistently because. 
it's not funny anymore. This stuff actually happens. So right. I'm wondering now, like with weekly world news, when you have you know, info wars and all of these different things out there that people believe in, you know, could you put something like that out this, these day in this day and age and people and get the same response from it? You know, right. it's not it's, yeah. it doesn't work the same way anymore. You can't you can't do that anymore. It's uh, the stuff that was satire. People believe in it now, you know. So where do you go with that? What do you do with it? I don't know. It's Anyways, nice. that's a good way to end it. I like this was uh, this was good. This one have to be broken. See, it wouldn't make sense. I was thinking maybe breaking it too and doing uh, one half. No, you know, what? keep it all together. That's a long show, my friend. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, my, I might have to DM me on that then too. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably I'll, on my end. I might break it down into two hour and a half long episodes. What are we at? Three hours. I got two twenty. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we could break it up into two two hour, ten minute long shows. Most of my shows are usually around the hour, half hour, hour and a half mark now. Even though we try to stay within the hour mark, we usually go over. So, you know what? That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do Polybius first uh, episode, and then next one we'll do uh, Popery, I guess. Yeah, that'll I'll work. Po- that'll I'll call Popery with Row. <laughs> that'll work. That'll this work. is good. This is fun. I, and seriously, uh, if if you come up, to, I I know I'm for sure I'm going to go to the uh, Marsh de Rouge. If you think you're going to go, oh, I will go. Just shoot I me a text. I'll, I'll meet you up. If you uh, remind well, me of it uh, and give me notice, I I absolutely. If I know that you're going this year, and if I know for sure I have somebody that's going to be there, which I have a couple other friends that live almost just right there, they're supposed to be going too. But if I know you're going, I will go. I absolutely I'll, will be there. I'll t- I'll text you once a week to remind you. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be running into you before that because I have a book that I. Have to give you anyways so you know oh, perfect yeah you know. let's let's set a meet up um when do you think you'd be free in the near future we'll figure it out i'll, I'll, I'll right, bug you about it <laughs> yeah it's late i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't want to keep up any later than, than you already are i appreciate your time coming on and chatting me up i uh i this is fun this is fun to get this out like i oh man i want to talk to you about this for like two years I want to hear you explain it to me for two years, to be quite honest. It sounds like us at the bar. Let's do the same thing. All right, I'll let you go. Big thanks to Patrick over at Almost Educational. You can find them at almosteducational.com. I've been on there at least one other time for episode 171 on their feed, which was the Alchemy of Alcohol, which was a big discussion about the uh, a short abbreviated history of mead, uh, beer, brewing. Uh, a few of you people have heard me talk about that on other shows. It's a big hobby of mine. No, I am not an alcoholic. I also would recommend checking out episode 164, uh, 164 yep, on their feed, which is World War II and the Occult, and they had guest Winston Conrad on the show. Many of you guys really like it when Winston comes on our show. He's a big fountain of information about the unusual, the strange, and the occult, and it's an excellent episode. I really like Almost Educational for the fact that they are a lot like us, where one week they'll cover a topic, and then their next episode, they'll go 190 degrees in a completely different direction, and they do that every episode. So if you don't like one episode, you might like the next one, or you might like the next one after that. There's always always something interesting and unusual, or I wouldn't even say unusual, just different that they put out. They're a really bunch of fun guys. Patrick is really cool. Do check them out. I'm going to close this week's show out with a song from Killing Joke called The 80s, which was uh, a very fun and big song of my youth. I recently went and saw those guys open up for Tool, and they still crank out the jams as old as they are. So anyways, see you guys all again soon. This is Rojan from Detroit. Peace. Peace.